Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. And I would much rather be talking about the Orioles winning three baseball games and Gunnar Henderson getting a super... we got to come up with a good term for the, the thing that's better than a cycle. Super cycle, man. Yeah, somebody suggested that this morning. we got to come up with one because the, the idiocy of... Well, you should just not not do as well. <laughs> have a have a lesser game because we have a neat name for it. The Instead of cycle. you know having a better performance as a baseball player, we are dopes. We are the we are truly. It's what uh, my friend Rita likes to say. There's a reason why the aliens have just sort of passed over us over the years. We know they're here. We got the proof. There's literally UFO. They're just like nah. nah, nah. We we're looking for intelligent life. Down here, they think a guy should stop at first base <laughs> because <laughs> because there's a neat name for it and nothing else. Well, it's, I mean, it doesn't happen often. No, no, no. There's, there's, <laughs> you know what else doesn't happen often? Two doubles, a triple, and a home run. In yeah. fact, it happens less frequently. We just don't have a neat name for it. That's it. The entirety of what occurred yesterday is one of these things we have a neat name for and the other one we don't. So because we've got a neat name for it, we think somebody's supposed to stop. But, but, it pales in comparison, of course, to the uh, topic at hand today, which is um, uh, uh, the interview that John Angelos did with the New York Times. So uh, coming up on the program this morning, we will uh, we will talk Orioles, I promise. Uh, Michael Bauman, not that Michael Bauman, the other Michael Bauman who writes for Fangraphs will join us. Also, our buddy Ryan Ripken will check in, and uh, Jeremy Kahn will join us as well. That's all coming up on the program today. But obviously, yeah, we all uh, we are all dealing with the same thing. I'm uh, I'm kind of intrigued by the timing of why, when you know all these things. Like, when did John Angelos talk to the New York Times? Why was it? Was it an immediate reaction to the the thing? Was it in the aftermath of the Kevin Brown thing? I know what I'll do. I'll talk to the New York Times. Why the New York Times? Why not, you know, yeah, a local outlet? Grant, I love you. Let's, let's sit out this one, all right? <laughs> I love you, buddy. We're going to get to you, I promise. Let's just sit out this one, all right? Why? Why not, you know, again, here? And then the, the, of course, bigger issue is the things that, are, that were said, where is the line between I'm, I don't want to use any of these terms that uh, aren't going to go friendly. I'm trying to tell you these things because I'm openly telling you if I don't get the things that I want, I'm not going to spend money on baseball players for you. And I want I want to get these things, but it doesn't really have anything to do with whether or not I'm going to spend baseball on baseball players. Where's the line between what someone would say is a stick up? And I'm not going to be the one that says that, but I understand why people might feel that way. Some of the highlights, if you have not seen them, and I'm, you know, I can't go over all of them, but if you want some of the highlights, uh, from the New York Times, the Orioles' $70 million payroll this season ranks 28th of the 30 teams. 
It is largely a function of the player's lack of service time, which limits their earning power in the peculiar economy of baseball. Angelos has a lot of qualms with that system. Quote, the hardest thing to do in sports is be a small market team in baseball and be competitive because everything is stacked against you. Everything, unquote, he said. And he conceded that it might not be feasible for his popular young core to be career Orioles like Brooks Robinson, Jim Palmer, and Cal Ripken Jr. Without major changes, he sees only one way the team could retain its all of its young stars. Quote, we're going to have to raise the prices here dramatically, unquote, he said. <sighs> Goes on. Quote, well, that's a good question. This is a different um, excerpt. Quote, well, that's a good question, unquote, Angelo said. Quote, but let's say we sat down and showed you the financials for the Orioles. You will quickly see that when people talk about giving this player $200 million, that player $150 million, we would be so financially underwater that you'd have to raise the prices massively. Now, are people going to come and pay that? I don't know if we're at the limit to your point. I don't know if we're in equilibrium, elasticity, supply and demand. Maybe we are, but really, that's just one team. What I'm really trying to think about is macro, unquote. Now, as I said before, I do not begrudge John Angelos for, uniquely, for attempting to get more in the stadium lease because I don't begrudge any owner. They're, they can ask. I mean, I, I can ask for whatever I would like. I might ask uh, uh, John Colson to give me $6 billion this year. You can ask for whatever you want to ask for. But there's a, a fine line between asking and what happens when you know reasonable people say, yes, this isn't feasible. I've said all along, I'm in favor, to some extent, I'm in favor of the idea that John Angelos has pitched for the area around the ballpark. The problem is, it's just not practical. He keeps, and even in this story, he continues to compare to Atlanta. But we all know the difference. The ballpark is not in Atlanta. They, they went and found a place, and it might even still considered be considered Atlanta proper. Right. They went and found a spot where there was a ton of space. They separated it from the downtown area, and in doing so, were able to build around it. Where the ballpark stands in Baltimore, there is no such space. It does not exist. We've been through this. I have scoured the map looking for some sort of idea. I cannot come up with it. Apparently, John Angelos thinks the parking lots can be the answer. There are people that share visions for urban areas that say there should never be parking lots around stadiums. That that space can be better used in urban development. There are people who have that opinion. Everything can be public transportation. And you can use all of that space. There should never be parking lots. Those, those opinions exist. And are, they're well-meaning in terms of urban planning, in terms of what's the best way to use certain space. It will be pointed out that you have 
X percentage of homeless people within a city, and yet here you have this space that you're giving for parking lots. And that in urban planning, that space can be better used to solve, say, your homeless crisis. And it's well-reasoned. It's It means well. It's a, I don't know, almost utopian thought. And I don't begrudge those who might even have the goals to try to do it that way. Is it practical? No. It's not practical. Not in a capitalist society. Not in a place where everybody's trying to make money. Not in a place... I mean, like, it... Again, if you want to... And I'm sure that some of the people that share this opinion are in favor of socialism. But that's not where we are. And in a capitalist culture, it doesn't work. Moreover, as we've been... uh, As has been brought to our attention... The lease agreement specifically with the Ravens guarantees a certain number of parking spots because of the culture of tailgating within football. The Ravens are guaranteed to have a certain number of parking spots. Now, it's been brought to my attention by some people that maybe at some point in the future, the Ravens might be well served to move their stadium specifically in order to have more spots for tailgating that they own and they can profit off of. It is interesting how the Ravens have never really attempted to use their stadium to create a greater profit margin. Perhaps it speaks to how good the revenue sharing system is in football that they don't feel like they need to. That the TV money alone is just fine for the Ravens. That they don't need to maximize the profits of their stadium space in downtown Baltimore. I brought it up a number of times. They never attempted to build some sort of permanent team store or, you know, restaurant or have any sort of touch downtown. They have a limited number of parking spaces that they can sell. People openly, you know, host major tailgate parties at other locations that are very walkable to the stadium. In a way, we should give great credit to Steve Bishotti for the fact that, I don't know if you want to call it greed or business not not humility at all but just business acumen has never gotten in the way of trying to deliver the best stadium experience that he can for a fan base that at no point did he step in and say I could make a lot more money if I wasn't here I I can the the Ravens are the Ravens we're not going to we don't need the downtown location in order to draw fans we could go somewhere else, have much more space, a la Kansas City, where they have all of those parking lots surrounding the stadium. We could own all of it, profit off of all of it, and be better business-wise for it. But they haven't done that. And they're not going to do it because they agreed to a new lease. Where this goes from here, I, I got nothing. And... If John Angelos's comments in the New York Times are for the purpose of trying to put pressure on the Maryland Stadium Authority and the state and public to try to win over as much as the public to say, oh, if they don't get this thing downtown, we might lose baseball players. It's sort of like a politician talking in the lead up to an election. 
we're kind of just going to say anything. And should I be bothered by it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I should be, but I also understand the game. But there's a line. There's a line between trying to win something over, win a vote, win a deal, and actual threats. If it's practical, if John Angelos is telling you, if I don't get the parking lots near Camden Yards, I'll refuse to spend any money on baseball players, then that's shameful. It's absolutely beyond any amount of reason and far beyond the pale. And speaks to unfit for for the role. So if that is true, then does that lead to a scenario where somebody else can step in, like Rob Manfred could no, step in? No, of course not. Absolutely no. not. And if what, he's saying, do, I'm not going to spend money. That's that's his, He's the owner of the baseball team. I, I don't know what you're trying to suggest, that the commissioner of baseball gets to tell owners how to run their business? Well, if he's saying, I'm not going to participate, essentially, in like free that, agency. or The Marlins don't. There are plenty of teams that don't spend money in free agency. That's not new. The Orioles haven't for some time. I I don't know what you think the concerning part would be. Major League Baseball allows for all the owners to operate and run their businesses as they see fit. The owners have made sure that they have fought for not having salary floors, not having salary caps. Because of that... You don't have to fit into anything. You can slash your payroll as much as you possibly want. That's how the Orioles got into this to begin with. They slashed their payroll. Now, they did try to do something, baseball, by changing the rules of the draft system so that you can't just keep collecting number one picks for four to five years. They try to do something about it. But trying to prevent purposeful tanking doesn't, prevent accidental tanking you could still be really bad and just got not get number one picks anymore but we don't know and that's the difficult part about this on on surface level he's not saying any of those things he's not holding anyone up he's not saying well if you don't do this i refuse he's just sort of nebulously saying well it's it's gonna be difficult you know it it yeah, we'd have to raise prices on everything. Well, as I said a million times before, give you give a city a certain product and there is a greater price that they're willing to pay. If you can be certain that the Orioles are going to be good for some time with a core of young players that this fan base loves, then there's a greater price that that fan base will be willing to pay in order to go see it. That's the reality of it. To what end? You know, and that's where he gets into using the elasticity and all the, the, equi- the equilibrium. To what end? I don't know either. Where is the breaking point? Couldn't tell you. We keep paying for crabs no matter how much the prices go up. We keep paying for gas no matter how much the prices go up. I don't know what we do with ticket prices. I understand his campaign. I do, and that's the difficult part for me. We also got the closest we're ever going to get to an apology for the Kevin Brown situation. We're never going to get one. Don't ask. Like, that's not going to happen. But the closest thing that, that, that could be offered to an apology over the Kevin Brown situation you were able to get, which is it shouldn't have happened and it won't happen again. 
okay, well, cool, cool. I mean, it's, it's good. It still did happen, and you know, you are kind of the Orioles. Like you're, you're <laughs> to say it shouldn't have happened. Well, you probably could have done something about it, and like I'm. I'm a little confused by that, but you know what, man? Probably not Jermaine. I'm glad you're at least recognizing that it sh- shouldn't have happened. There's something to be said for that, I guess. I don't know. Very confusing. All very difficult. All very difficult. Yeah. I mean, but, to so, but to your point, I mean, they announced an extension this week for Adley and Gunner. They're both here for the next five to yeah, seven years. Yeah, well, nobody years. cares, right? Yeah, I understand that, happy. and I've said that a million times, but it goes back to the... It, it, it's it's not even like chicken and the egg. It's like chicken, egg, omelet or something like that at this point. Like, ev- everything is feeding into one. How are you going to get to that point where they announce extensions? Well, John Angelo says we might not at all. But, you know, then ties it to what it is they're trying to do downtown. And maybe if we get that, then perhaps that could change the economic look of this team. And then, you know, he, he's not telling you there's an A to B He's sort of saying, here's A, and then B's over here, and I don't know, you know, like, there's a path along the way that maybe we could get to those things. It's also possible that what he's saying is, even if we were to redo the area downtown, even if I were to get this Camden Crossing thing that I want, I might not. Remember, there's a reason why John Angelos publicly chose to say the next Tampa when he wasn't asked about it at the beginning of the year. We, I, I, there were a lot of people that didn't want to read too much into that, but that was about as publicly as someone could come out and say, we're not going to be the team that you want this to be. He didn't say the next Houston. He didn't say the next Chicago. He didn't say the next Philadelphia. He said the next Tampa. And some of us really like caught on to that. There were others that said, well, I, I just think that means that he wants to compete as a small market. Okay. Okay. But he didn't say the next San Diego. Also a small market. Also competing. He said the next Tampa. And what's the one thing we know about Tampa? They never, ever have an elevated payroll. Never. They are never outside of the bottom third of payrolls in baseball. Ever. That's what we know about Tampa. And probably we should have listened Now, even if that's the case, that doesn't mean that they can never spend money on a baseball player. But it's kind of announcing what your intention is and daring people to believe it and then backing it up. This is the way it's going to go. It's very infuriating because it comes at a time where the team is performing well, you are believing that they are capable of doing something special, and you just want to be able to fall in love with the baseball players and have a romantic feeling about it. And every time it happens, you get kind of kicked in the teeth a little bit. This isn't the Kevin Brown situation. This is just a, yeah, but small market, small, you know, blah. It's, it's just impossible. Yeah, well, with that attitude. 
I, I don't know. I hope. Beyond hope. I, I, I hope that there is some sort of in-between here. Or, if there isn't, I hope that there's, frankly, new ownership. I, I mean, I can't hide from that. If the answer is going to be, if I don't get this, then we can't compete the same way. I don't want that. I can't lie. I'm with you guys. Now, I'm not going to be a jerk about it. And I'm not going to. De- I'm not going to get into name calling, but that's not good. I hope there's an amount of posturing here in an attempt to get something done related to what it is they're looking to do around the stadium. I hope that an amount of these comments are directly related to that. And honestly, I understand. I get it if that is the case. Whether it is or not remains to be seen. Fun day. Fun day. Orioles are coming home tomorrow, baby. First place in the AL East by three games. And there's more of this. All right. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by... Your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right. um, Joining us now, somebody just wrote this, uh, uh, an interesting piece. It was called, Those Gosh Darn Marlins and or Orioles are at it again for fan graphs. He's Michael Bauman, but he's not that Michael Bauman. He's the other Michael Bauman, the one that writes for Fangraphs, and he's with us now here on GCR. Michael, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So I'm an interesting like party because I feel like this has been asked in different ways by myself, by others throughout the season. We know that the Orioles are good. Why are the Orioles good? Because it's there, there is no like overwhelming answer that defines a team that would have the best record in baseball or the best record in the American League at this point. Yeah, it's interesting, and the re- the reason I wrote the article, I thought to write uh, that article, is it's very similar to what happened in, in twenty twelve. Uh, that you look at the team on paper, certainly nobody expected them to be as good as they were, but again, they had a great crop of young hitters, maybe not as good as this one, you know, completely across the board, a great bullpen. And they just ended up taking it to teams that, that were way better than them on paper. Uh, won a lot of one run games, won a lot, got, you know, got a lot of what you would describe as clutch hitting. And I just sort of wanted to revisit that. Uh, and it turns out, you know, shockingly a team with a bullpen this good is yeah. really good in close games. And so it, it, that kind of thing confounds what I would describe as, like context neutral analysis. So if you look at a stat like war or like even like counting stats or or rate stats, like, uh, like batting average or slugging percentage that only tells you what happened and not like the order in which it happened. You know, if you've seen any team leave the bases loaded, for instance, in a, you know, in a one run game late in a one run game, you could, you know, that when things happen matters. And so about 10 years ago, the, the consensus on when that sort of thing happened was, oh, this team's just getting lucky. I think that speaks a little bit more to the way these Orioles are constructed. You know, and it's, I really have no idea if, if this is going to continue, you know, if that's going to be sustainable in the postseason, because I think this team still does have a lot of uh, holes. But at this point, I think they're overwhelming favorites to definitely make the playoffs and to, 
uh, probably to win the AL East as well. It's interesting because, like, when we talk about the Pythagorean model, I guess the question becomes, like, does the model need to be changed based on the idea of having a strong back end of a bullpen, right? Like, you point out the, the Mariano Rivera teams. Like, it, it, it should, should there be more recognition for you can be a very good ba- or a uniquely good baseball team if you have a strong back end of the bullpen? I, th- I think that there's a pretty good understanding of that. I think the way I would put that is uh, when you use a model like this, and you know, uh, Dan Zaborski runs our yeah. our projection system, takes crap every year from uh, fans of teams. They're like, oh, you know, we did X, Y, and Z, and you're saying we're not going to make the playoffs. I think it's important to understand what a model does and what it doesn't do. And so the you know, the most data that you have, the best information you have, is it it almost purposely isn't going to account for outlier performances. And so when you look at the Orioles uh, overperforming their uh, run differential this year, you know, are they, are they constructed in a way to, uh, you know, that's almost designed to beat that model? Yeah, I would say so. But have they got also got lucky? Yeah, probably, you know, you need to be lucky and good to be on a 90, whatever win pace. So, uh, you know, I think that it's, it is a limitation of the model, but even people like me who use models like that will readily admit that that uh, you know it's not a it's it's not a crystal ball. It's just it's a tool. I know I completely understand that. We're chatting with Michael Bauman from Fangraphs. He's with us here on GCR. Michael, it, it, it you know you point out in the piece. Is it just? It, hang on, before I go there, first of all. What you say about whether or not it can stay in the playoffs, I think it's the the part that maybe Orioles fans can, should and, and are a bit fearful of, which mm-hmm. is the the margin for error is so small for this team. We we remember, you know, the 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 couple of blown saves that Felix Batista's had this year because th- that's that's where we are. Like if if it's not going perfectly to plan, then this is not a team that's likely to be able to improvise or adapt in those situations. Like, if something goes wrong with Felix Batista, it doesn't feel like this team is going to be in a good place to try to overcome that. That suggests that when you face more consistently better teams and teams with their own clutch hitters that are capable of this, and we saw this when Felix Batista faced the Astros a couple weeks ago, it's going to be far more difficult to do this consistently to your point in the playoffs than it has been during the course of the regular season. Yeah, I think that's true of any team though. You know, Phil Batista has been the best, you know, best relief pitcher in baseball for most of the season. And if you have any all world closer, you know, blow a save or two in a best of five series, then that's curtains for, for most teams. So, you know, I, I think that the Orioles definitely rely on their bullpen more than most, uh, the concern for me is getting there. To be completely honest, yeah. I, I, you know, I was astonished that they didn't make more of a move to shore up that starting rotation. I don't know who starts Game Two of an ALDS, for instance. Um, and you know, I looked at, I, uh, I'm based out of out of the Philadelphia area, so I was you know close to that team during their run in the World Series last year, and they were an underdog that made a, a big run, but they had very high end starting pitching. And what struck me was watching throughout uh, throughout that run, pitchers who were okay in the regular season, including Kyle Gibson, who would probably start a, a playoff game for the Orioles now, just getting tanked when they when they face a, a strong postseason offense. And so that would be the concern for me is not what happens to Felix Bautista. Sure. Is can this starting pitchers and 
you know, can this team hit enough to, to make them relevant? No, I, so that's a, yeah. I, I, I strongly agree with that. And the bigger problem that the pitchers that we know have the innings in them, to your point, are Gibson and Flaherty, and those are the two guys that are getting roughed up, whereas the guys yeah. that are have been brilliant of late are the guys that we just don't know if they're going to have the innings in them, the Grayson Rodriguez's yeah. uh, of the world by the time you get to the postseason. So, so let me, you know, I, I, this is the other question I have about the model itself and the comparison yeah. to 2012. Is, is can the model predict a team that's on its way, right? Like, is there an inefficiency within the model for a team that is such a young core that there's kind of, an, you know, there's so many unknowns about how they're going to perform when they have a full season of, of, of baseball? And it's been, you know, Gunnar Henderson obviously would be an example. I don't know exactly what the expectations were for Gunnar Henderson, but you know, he's going to threaten to push towards 30 home runs this season. H- how does the model handle a team that we don't have quite as much major league data for like the Orioles coming into this season? Yeah, so uh, the way I'd answer that is this model, that's not what it's designed to do. Uh, but there are, like, individual player projection uh, models, like, you know, Zips, which we use, or Pocota, sure. Baseball Prospectus, that actually take into account you know, the, the – demographic data or, or minor league stats or, or age data is, is hugely important, which is why the Orioles are, you know, projected to generally projected to do pretty well because their, their core is so young. So I'd say the, like the expectations, even, uh, even quantitatively, you know, basing were for Gunnar Henderson were huge and he's, I'd say he's met them uh, at this point. And so there are different models that, uh, that take different information in and can draw, you know, conclusions like the one you're asking for. Uh, but even then, you know, the less data you have, the younger the team, the more variance there's going to be. So I think that a young team like the Orioles is going to have maybe a higher upside than a lot of people realize, but also a lower floor. We've seen teams that were loaded with top prospects take a few years to get off the ground if they do at all. Uh, so I'd say the Orioles right now are, are living out the – you know, the the more optimistic end of, of some of those projections. Sure. What what does this tell us about? I, like what what would the roadmap be at this point, Michael? Like this is I, I and I ask this frequently because I'm skeptical about this team's ability to win a World Series, and and we always end up in this kind of interesting place where I'm like, but I'm not sure that that was a reasonable measurement for this team either to suggest that they needed to win the World Series this year versus continue on a trajectory towards becoming a World Series contender. What is the what? What can we surmise about what the roadmap would have to be in order for the Orioles to have that opportunity to make a deep playoff run? Um, you know, I think they a deep playoff run. I think that's tough to expect from any team. Um, I think just in terms of the direction of the of the roster, you know, seeing how well guys like Rutschman and, and Henderson and Westberg have have done since coming up, you have to be optimistic about the future. Just getting there. I think is mission accomplished and then some for this season. Now it's about building the team out going forward, you know, filling those holes and, and starting pitching. And, you know, I, I imagine that uh, you've already talked about the Tyler Kepner story with, yeah. with yeah. John Ad, Ad nauseum. So, yeah. And, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this, you don't need me to remind you that a lot of this rests on, you know, that the outlook for this team is different if they're willing to go out and sign, you know, somebody like Aaron Nolan free agency to, who would, solve a lot of problems for this, this rotation going forward. Um, so I think that right now, you know, you need one good Kyle Bradish start and, you know, you're on your way to at least the ALCS. I think that, the, you know, anybody who gets in has a puncher's chance. 
But, uh, you know, I think this is mostly about how do you, tr- how do you spin this forward into 2024? Cause I mean, it, it's like 28 other teams in baseball would kill to have this core of, course. Of, of young hitters. So, you know, it's, it's all about putting them in the best position to succeed going forward. And that's the, que- you know, it's a question that I think it's fair to ask of, of Michael Elias and the front office and, and also, yeah, I'd say more importantly of ownership. Yes. I mean, those, there's certainly, I guess, uh, given what we, what we see and what we've heard, I think the question becomes, is there enough of a core here that yeah. if the additions are minimal, and I think we have every reason to assume that at this point, that they, they still can build a World Series contender in the next year or two with, say, a Jackson Holiday in the mix next year. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, given what we've seen of Grayson Rodriguez of late and the thought that if he's this guy, that's absolutely the top of the rotation, rotation type of pitcher that we believed him capable of being. Is there enough of a core here to think that if there isn't you know, massive upgrades, they still could continue growing towards being a World Series contender in the next year or two? So the the roadmap is a little different from situations like this that we've seen. And I would say that if if that's what you're looking for, what you're looking for is Pittsburgh in the mid-2010s uh, and then Tampa Bay Tampa, Cleveland yeah. more recently. Mm-hmm. And all of them have been very, very good. I mean, this Pittsburgh for a very, very small period of time, but they've all been very good at developing pitching prospects internally and also finding ways to improve guys that they find at the major league level. Um, and I would say this goes for the Astros too, although, you know, they're, uh, um, the trajectory of that franchise has been on is a little different and the Orioles, I mean, that's, it's been a weakness for the Orioles, I think to, to put it mildly, but what they have is a better offensive core and I don't know, maybe you can do it backwards. Maybe they find, you know, I think a lot of the, the, um, what they've gotten out of their bullpen guys this year uh, speaks to there is something there that, you know, they're sort of turning a corner, but if Grayson Rodriguez can be better than Dylan Bundy or, you know, some of the other equivalent pitching prospects who haven't really found their footing in, in Baltimore, that's a game changer. I think that's the big, uh, the big question mark is because it's, it's hard to find pitching, even if you're spending $200 million a year uh, on payroll, you know, so it's, it's the it's one of the toughest things to do in baseball, and the Orioles, you know, traditionally haven't been good at it. And if that changes, then the sky's the limit. But I think that we need to see a little bit a little bit more proof. And so, you know, I'm not saying that it can't happen. I'm just saying that it's something it, that is the thing that this franchise needs to improve on. And then the last part I would bring in, Michael, has been brought up by a lot of people: the Orioles prioritizing base running, maybe a little bit more. Although that's that's died down as the season's gone yeah. on. Um, and defense, can that make up for any of the, like, have they found some sort of market inefficiency that they can manipulate moving forward? I think that helps. So I think putting a good defensive team on the, on the field, like that makes your pitchers lives a lot easier. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of guys that, uh, you know, are standout individual defenders, definitely. And as far as base running, I think like that was, that was free money at the beginning of this. Season. Yeah. And I, yeah, this was, I think this was the first thing I wrote in the regular season was when they, was about them stealing 10 bases in two games off the Red Sox. Like this team was built to do that from the start. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, if you're going to be set up like the Orioles are, you have to find advantages everywhere you can. I think that that's a huge one. And I think we've seen a lot of teams, um, you know, take, uh, take base running a lot more seriously this year. I love it. I you know, I, I, that's the kind of baseball that I would most like to watch is, you know, a smart, aggressive base running. Uh, so I think that that's something they definitely have to keep doing. 
Unfortunately, part of that at the beginning of the year involved Jorge Mateo getting on base, and that's just not something that we have seen since well, that point yeah. the year. So that's the reality of it. Uh, yeah. At Michael Bauman on Twitter is how you follow him. Michael, is there anything else I can uh, plug for you, sir? Uh, no, just the the article from last week. We'll have obviously more stuff coming this week, so check out Fangrass.com. Absolutely. Michael, really appreciate it, man. Thanks for spending a couple minutes with us this morning. All right, thank you. It's Michael Bauman with us here on GCR. We come back in. Our buddy Ryan Ripken will join us. We'll talk about uh, the weekend that was, and you know, just the actual baseball stuff for a change. And that'll be nice because it was a nice weekend. That'll be fun. We'll do that next. Glenn Clark Radio. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com Maryland, be open. America's biggest bike race returns to Maryland Sunday, September 3rd as 120 of the world's best cyclists race the Maryland Cycling Classic presented by United Healthcare. Come enjoy the free fan zones and festival with interactives, food, and drink beginning at noon. Then see the exciting race conclusion from 3 to 5 p.m. in the Inner Harbor. Come be loud, be proud, and let the world hear you. For more information, go to MarylandCyclingClassic.us. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook sports and that promo code glennclark23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER i'm michael jan grandy president of aj michaels your carrier energy expert for 44 years save money energy and make your home more comfortable and virus free find us at ajmichaels.com that's ajmichaels.com Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an EasyPass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food. Check. 
quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR. Coming up a little bit later on today, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson getting together. 4 o'clock, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Talking baseball there. Again, you can watch it live there. If you don't make it live, you can find it later. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Let's get a little bit back more towards what's happening on the field. Joining us now, he is our friend, 105.7 The Fan Analyst and fantasy football enthusiast. And, in fact, I'll let him tell us about this cool event he's got coming up. He's our buddy Ryan Ripkin, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm good. Uh, how are we doing this Monday morning? Everything is all right except for, you know, there's a New York Times story that everybody's worked up about, and it's making our job less pleasant, so it's what it is. Uh, I want to talk baseball with you, though. I need you to help me come up with a name. We, we've got to figure out a term to call a four-extra-base-hit game so that it's got a cool name and people will stop saying insane things about how someone should just stop, do something that's lesser and stop at first base on what's an obvious extra-base-hit so that they can get a cool name for it like a cycle. We've got to come up with a cool name in order to make up for the idiocy of people thinking that Gunnar Henderson should have stopped at first base yesterday. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that's going to be my homework for the rest of the day now, to be honest, because um, the cycle's cool, right? There's it, it's, a, it's a stat, and, and your name goes in history for players that have hit for the cycle. But having said that, getting four extra base hits in a game is better, you know, is better, you know, two doubles, a triple, a home run. Um, and also too, and I know people have different opinions about it, but the thing that I just love about Gunner, and this is why it makes him, you know, so likable and such Hey, well, I think he's going to be, you know, a superstar and MVP. I thought MVP in the next five years, I've dropped it down. I think it's possible in the next two, he just plays the game hard and the right way. He's not looking at what a personal accolade would look like. He goes, well, if I hit a ball down the line, I'm taking two. Right. And as simple as that, and that's something that um, it might not seem like a, a big thing and people can joke around a lot, but it just it's, I just love to see that, especially for a young player, that all that's his focus is is to go out there and play ball. And then if, if it worked out in his favor, then he gets a cycle, but he's not going to shortchange himself or shortchange the team for just like you say just a cooler name at the end of the day so we have to we've got it we you understand ryan we are a nation of stupid people like we are dumb and because we've got a cute name for something we think that matters more it's more meaningful to do something when it's got a cute name involved so we've just got to come up with one whatever it is i've had super cycle suggested to me that's fine 
But I, I feel like we can do better than that. We just have to come up with something and then go back and see how many of those there have been in baseball history. And once we've got a cool name for that, we'll stop. And, and the, the crazier part to me, and you tell me, because we saw all of his teammates, obviously, you know, they, why didn't you stop at first base? It, to me, it's almost spitting in the face of the game to not try. And I think that Gunner deserves credit for doing the quote-unquote right thing. But it's almost hilarious that we have to say that because it feels like it would be embarrassing for some like we make fun of basketball players that so nakedly like try to get one more assist at the end of a game so they can have a triple double right. or like that they miss the shot purposely to collect a rebound we we make fun of them to say dude this is that's not real you you manufactured right. that like how I don't know how good how could you feel about yourself if you stopped at first base to force a cycle on what could have obviously been and should have obviously been more than that, it feels like you're spitting in the face of the game. Yeah, well, I think it'd just be the other way right here, right? It's, it's, if he stopped, we would have people on that side going, well, you know, he blatantly stopped. That's right. for sure a double, you know, like that, you know, so it goes both ways. You know, you're going to make me do a lot more research and homework here the rest of the day because I saw, I got, um, I was out all day and I didn't have a chance last night to look up the stats, but I mean, what he's accomplished, the, the extra base hits four in a game, you know, that's that, – there's only a handful of guys that have done that. And, right. I, and I'm curious about what that stat is. Four extra base hits, including what he did, the two doubles, triple home run, I mean. So, I, I'm with you. It, it's um, <laughs> it's it's funny that, you know, social media, we know this stuff. Right? Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's yep. got uh, an idea of what's right or wrong. Hey, everyone's entitled to it. Uh but at the end of the day, it just uh, – whether he got the cycle or not uh, was irrelevant to me. What I found out, just like everyone else is, is that you don't know who Gunnar Henderson is yeah. outside of Baltimore. Yeah. it's time. Um, right. I, I don't know what else to tell you because there's – if we want to take this a step further, of future players, and I'm not going to mix words here, is there's two players right now in Major League Baseball that I could say I would want them for the next 10-plus years. It's, I would say, Ronald Acuna Jr. on the Braves. Great player, probably, you know, MVP-type candidate. And Gunnar Henderson. I can't put anybody ahead of those two Not players. Not even Julio? Right Not even Julio Rodriguez? Oh, he's a good one, too. I could add three. You know what? Yeah. This is why we're here. I could add Julio for three. But of those three, Glenn, if we're going to be honest, I, I don't see another guy, but Julio's gotten a lot of credit. Acuna Jr.'s got a lot of the credit. Yeah, that's fair. And, and, and for Gunnar Henderson, because he's playing in Baltimore and he had a slow start to his rookie year, I don't think people are, are really recognizing what he's capable of doing. And I will say, when we get to the postseason, a lot of people are going to understand who Gunnar Henderson is. He is Ryan Ripken. He's with us here on GCR. Maybe we call it the Gunner, by the way. Maybe that's how we solve this problem. And we just make a four that's extra simple. base hit game, the Gunner moving forward, and you have a certain number of Gunners in your career. Um, Ryan, how do you explain the Ryan Mountcastle thing? How, how do you, like, you know, I, I, I wrote a silly column last week openly apologizing to Ryan Mountcastle, and I wasn't even all that mean. Like, I was, I was on the low end of things that had ever been said about Ryan Mountcastle. We, we all know where this was just a couple of months ago. Is it, do you just simply say, this is baseball, this happens? How do you make sense of someone looking like they were completely lost to to suddenly being the hottest hitter in all of baseball. Well, it goes to show you when you're not feeling right, when something's wrong with you, uh, it can really impact you. And I think that all of us can relate to that outside of baseball, right? You know, and I've had moments where you go through 
your day or life and, and time builds up and you go, you know what? Like I, I'm, 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 I've done this uh, X amount of times. This is routine for me, but I don't feel like myself. And I think for Mountie, first and foremost, he didn't feel like himself, but to everyone, to, to, to everyone else, how are we supposed to know? Right. Then you hear about the report, but what does that really entail? So that's first and foremost. Secondly, I think just Ryan Mountcastle always uh, didn't maybe get the credit he deserved because, you know, I'm looking, I went over this yesterday, last night. I mean, we're, we're acting like Mountie, and, and I had the luxury and pleasure to see him up close in person, uh, you know, the years in the system. You know, he was the best pure hitter in, in the organization when I was coming through. And, um, and I still believe that. I know people, I think where we didn't know what was going to happen with Mountie when he got uh, on the IL and with all the Orioles pieces, you know, where do you fit in the hypothetical game, right? Because he doesn't walk as much, you know, the, the uh, OBP type of uh, metric now and does that fit the Orioles' value, right? All those things. But one thing Ryan Malcastle could always do was hit. I mean, look, he came up in 2020 in a limited fashion. In 140, uh, 126 at bats, hit 333. At age 24, as a rookie, he hit 255, but he he broke the American, uh, the Orioles' rookie home run record. Sorry, Calvin. And then in 2022, a down year last year, he still hit 22 home runs, drove in 85 RBIs, and now what we're seeing in the second half, Mountie's gonna hit 20 home runs again. So he's gonna have three straight years of over 20 home runs. And I think it's just what we're seeing from him is just like every young player, because Mountie's only 26, is he's starting to figure out and find his groove. And that pure hitter ability that made him such a touted prospect, especially offensively, the Orioles are starting to see it. And then also, too, the other part of it is, you know, when you're hot, you're hot. You can't even explain it. And I mean, Mountie's just in another world right now, which in Baltimore, I don't think anyone will ever complain about how hot Ryan Mountcastle no, is. Certainly won't. Certainly won't. Um, you, you saw this story this weekend uh, from John Heyman in the New York Post saying the Orioles have not ruled out the idea of Jackson Holiday being called up. Now, it's a very soft way that he put it, and I think a lot of people started running with it in ways that are different than what he had written. Um, and the Orioles, whoever it was that he got that from, whether it was Mike Elias, I assume that's where he got it from because I don't know why he would be comfortable writing it without it coming from Mike Elias directly. But I would assume that they would just be saying, well, we're not going to rule anything out, right? And who knows? What if you know so-and-so were to get hurt and so-and-so were to get hurt? We're not going to say now. But there's no way we call up Jackson Holiday. But short of that to you, Ryan, would it make sense to see Jackson Holiday in Baltimore before the end of this season? Um... It just doesn't fit what uh, the front office and Elias has, has done, you know, for as even as great of prospects that Adley Rutschman was and Gunnar Henderson, they both had to go to AAA, you know, and I understand what Jackson's doing, by the way. I mean, you see why he's was number one overall pick. You see why he's the number one prospect. Like he's very close and at his time in Baltimore, for the next decade, at least, is, is coming, right? But having said that, where this team is, when you're 30 games over 500, I don't think it's necessarily fair to him to be thrusted into a position, and I don't think the Orioles are going to put him in that position. It, it's a great feel-good story, and again, I, if, if I'm wrong, I hope I'm wrong, because I'd love to see him in the big leagues, 
But the pieces that they have, we're talking about the amount of depth that they have in the infield, I don't know if the Orioles, given with how they're playing, are going to say all of a sudden, hey, with everything going on, this 19-year-old, and I want to I also mention this. We talked about how great Gunnar Henderson was a few moments ago. Mm-hmm. You know, Gunnar had unbelievable years, you know, to his uh, ascent to the major leagues, and then he struggled out the start. Yep. Adley Rutschman struggled. So I just want people to understand what he's doing at 19 is beyond mesmerizing in double-A. Like, I can't emphasize that enough. But to expect that he's going to do all of that at the big league level right when that time comes, I don't think is fair to him. So I just think the Orioles are going to be cautious like they always have. And eventually, we're going to see Jackson Holiday. When that moment comes, everyone's going to rejoice. But just I want to just say, let's not get too caught up especially with how much depth this Orioles team has. Let me get one in about the pitching, Ryan, because I, I'm in a weird place where I am, I'm, I'm extraordinarily excited about what we're seeing from Grayson Rodriguez, right? It's overwhelming. Uh-huh. It, it starts to make you believe that you really could be watching the first ace that we've seen in this city since Mike Messina. Um, at the same time, I'm just not sure whether Grayson Rodriguez is going to have innings in him still by the time we get to October. And I give the Orioles credit for trying to be creative, how they've handled Tyler Wells and going to the six-man rotation and trying to push it. But it's just this sort of thing that's out there, which is how many innings these guys really have in them before the season is over. The two guys that we know have innings in their arm, the two guys that are essentially mercenaries here, are the guys that are getting their ass kicked right now, unfortunately, in Kyle Gibson and Jack Flaherty, who, again, you would assume have whatever number of starts necessary in the, their arms. So I guess how concerned should we be? As exciting as it is what Grayson Rodriguez is doing, what Kyle Bradish continues to do, how concerned should we be about the two guys that we know have postseason starts that just are not effective at the moment when it comes to Gibson and Flaherty? Well, I, I think what we're seeing with, with Gibson and Flaherty, you know, I, my concern doesn't get, you know, sky high. Like, I understand that, that when you look around in the, the, the landscape in the American League, who other pitching staffs have, right? And, and veterans that are also aces, right? So if you're looking at the Justin Verlanders, the Max Scherzers that just were acquired recently, right? Um, but I will say this about Gibson first is that he has shown in very big moments that he can, he can go toe-to-toe. Like, he can, he can rise to the occasion. He's had those big games with the back, his back's against the wall. Right now, he's having that up-and-down kind of run. It's kind of been that up-and-down sequence um, right before the All-Star break, you know, and then it looked like he got back on track, and now it's kind of, you know, he had that, that rough go. Flaherty, to me, he's had two, two or three good starts. You know, I think that people forget, I mean, the Astros, he gave up three runs, gave the team a chance to win. Yeah, his last start was not, you know, that was no bueno, right? That, that, that's a part of the game. Um, I, I think why I have um, confidence is that I think what the Orioles have created and their belief as a team, I think that it's, they are very good at picking each other up. So I don't know where the innings limits are going to handle but I think every time I've wanted to maybe have reservations or doubts about this team, especially in the pitching department, they go and do something, whether it's starting pitching or in the bullpen, that go, man, isn't this team kind of special? 
because that's what they've been. There's no like there's, the numbers aren't going to say that the Orioles are a top pitching staff, but their pitching staff has come up in big ways more times than we give credit for. And that's one of the reasons, Glenn, that they're sitting, you know, 30 games over 500 right now. It's fair. It is fair. And, I, boy, I hope you're right. Boy, I hope that every single one of these dudes is just – it does not affect them. And they push right through this wall. It would go a long way to showing what they're capable of. All right, if there's two things I know about you, it's uh, that uh, you can be found on any given night drinking a fine tequila, and it's that you would rather uh-huh. be talking about fantasy football. And I see <laughs> – I mean, I got. I was playing in a football. Are we doing that league again this year? I don't even know. Are we doing that? What, what's the? Uh, we we can get the band together. Right, I got. I got. Right. I got to get my. I got to get my uh, everything sorted out. But why not? I'm you down. Know? I'm down. Now you're doing something that's uh, even more significant when it comes to fantasy football. What is the Ripken Rooster Rumble? Tell me about this. So uh, uh, it's it's all it's. Uh, Ripken Rooster Rumble presented by the Iron Rooster Restaurant. Um, and we're essentially doing a year-long fantasy football league or leagues for, for entrance, but we're actually making it into a whole, diff- a whole uh, event, so to speak. And actually for the first event, uh, we partnered with the Jonathan Ogden Foundation where proceeds from registering for the league is going to go to Jonathan Ogden's foundation. And Jonathan's going to be at the first event on September 8th. But for the season, we're, uh, we want to make this an experience for everyone involved. So, um, and if, if people look at the, the price and go, well, you know what, that seems high. Hey, if you want to go in on it with three friends and, all, and, and take over a team, great. We'll see you at the event. We plan to have weekly giveaways during the season, have two events that will have all drinks and food included, and we have a lot of good entertainment and uh, possibilities um, and that we're going to keep announcing as we get closer. So, uh, it's just been fun. And like like uh, you said, I love fantasy football. I love football season. And we thought, especially early on, what, what better way to would give out an opportunity plus give back um, to the Jonathan Ogden Foundation in the process. So that's all available on RipkinRumble.com. If anyone really has a question, too, they can reach out to me on uh, social media. Um, and we hope to see you there. It's, uh, it should be a lot of fun. And uh, I'd say stay tuned for more announcements because – we do have a lot planned, you know, as the season starts in September and goes all the way through. Very cool. Again, that's at Ryan Ripken on social if you want to find out more. But RipkinRumble.com is the website. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for doing this. Uh, let's talk again real soon, all right? All right. You have a great rest of your Monday. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. Ryan Ripken with us here on GCR from 105.7 The Fan. And, again, RipkinRumble.com is that website. Uh, programming update. We are mixing some things up here in the second hour of the program. Jeremy Kahn's going to join us a little bit earlier than usual. That's because Tyler Kepner, who had the interview with John Angelos in the New York Times, will be joining us this morning at 1145. So we're going to mix some things up. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook Sports. Mixed bag for me this weekend. I did hit on uh, Novak Djokovic yesterday. Got dicey there. Sure, everyone did. Well, I mean, I look, it was one of the greatest tennis. By bets. the way, it's easier, easily the best men's three-set tennis match I've ever seen in my life. Who did he uh, play yesterday? For God's sake. <laughs> Carlos Alcaraz? Alcaraz. Yeah, okay. yes. well, I figured. Make sure. You know about preseason football. Well, yeah. I mean, that matters. I hate it here. <laughs> Aliens, I don't understand. Just take us over. We're... 
Please. We're not doing anything here that's of any value. Playing football. Just take us. We are a stupid, stupid people. If you want to get in on whatever it is you want to bet on, whether it's very dumb like Griffin, you want to bet on preseason I mean, football. Maybe you bet the Ravens, you the Ravens tonight to lose continue tonight? the streak. I don't, I don't think they're going to lose. <laughs> or if you want to bet on real sports, you can do that. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23. And when you do, your first bet will be matched up to $250. Go check it out. Superbook.com. Go ahead and let's do this. All right. Yeah. It's the button with the thing and the thing and the thing. Yep. This week in the rest of baseball. Well, it's Grant's final day with us for the summer. Bummer. I don't know. We're doing, is it Slam Poetry Day here on GCR? I'm in oh, favor of that. No, but yeah. I I said it's the final day of the summer, and he said bummer, bummer and I thought yeah. like maybe we would talk about going to get a rum runner or something like that afterwards. Uh, this Did week in the possible? Nah, I got I, uh, not today, I unfortunately. This week in the rest of baseball, obviously we've spoken much about the Orioles this morning, but what else is going on as we are nearing September in the world of baseball? Well, aside from the playoff race, there was a little bit of a fun day yesterday if you're a Phillies and Nationals fan. It was the Little League Classic. Mm. Of course, we remember last year that was with the Orioles and Red Sox, and so that was a fun time for Orioles fans. But this year, the other side of the beltway got their chance, and they came home, the Nationals, with a 4-3 to three win over the Phillies. Yeah, I, I, I got it. I'm not trying to – nobody cares. But Bryson Stott, did he really use a bat that looked like a pencil? Oh, yeah, yes. he did. I oh. saw that floating around social media today, and that's the coolest thing I've ever... It legitimately, it legitimately looks like a pencil. That's actually pretty sick. Yeah. Now, I get, look, I, and I mean this, I think the Little League Baseball Classic is cool, but this is the eternal baseball problem. The eternal baseball problem is you can't get me to care about a game during the regular season that doesn't involve my team. This late in the season, too. I, I, anytime. Anytime during the season, you can't get me to care about a baseball game that doesn't involve my team or directly impacts my team. That's the the baseball. It, there's too many games. The game, it, no one individual game means so much. I get that this is a good idea. And the first time they did the Little League Classic, I watched it. And then I watched it again when the Orioles were involved. And I'll watch it again if the Orioles are ever involved. Like I love the concept. I love the idea. But it, it still speaks to the regional nature of baseball, which is not. I say it's a problem. It's a good thing that we care so deeply on a, from a regional standpoint about baseball. Baseball is a great regional sport, but it's basketball's got the same problem. There's only one sport. College basketball actually does pretty well with the regular season, but even that's tough. Football, the NFL and college football are the only sports where people you can get people to care about unique regular season games outside of one individual market. Like that's just the only the only the Field of Dreams game. The first time it was awesome, yeah. and then the second time they did it, I had no need to watch because I had already seen it. They, you can't. They, they already did the guys walking through the cornfield. I I'd seen yeah. all of it. I didn't need it again. It's I'm not saying they shouldn't do it because it's still really great for those markets. But it's, it's after that first time it gets after the first time. Yeah, we've you, seen it before. You've seen players interacting with little leaguers, and until they're the players you care about, why why do I care? about the players from the Nationals and Phillies interacting with Little Leaguers. I don't care about anything else those players do. It's the eternal problem they have. It doesn't mean they should stop doing it or that it isn't cool because it's neat 
for the teams that are in those markets. It's something different. It's exciting. It was very exciting for us a year ago to see a different stadium, to see a different interaction, to see a different crowd. They should keep doing them. But after I've seen it for the first time, I don't necessarily need to see it again. And the difficulty is, can you keep coming up with something different every year? The NHL dealt with this. We're like, at first, the Winter Classic was amazing. We're like, oh, my God, it's snowing in Buffalo. They're playing a hockey game. And then after a little while, you know, like, we had seen hockey in stadiums. So unless it was the team that you cared about, you just didn't need to watch it. It's the same thing here. I think they should do the Little League Classic. I think it's cool. But I don't need to watch it every year unless my team is involved because I've seen it before. But if they next year announced they were playing a game, you know, it might be the president calling. Yeah. Make sure you get that. If they're playing a game in Central Park next year, I'd probably say to myself, well, I need to watch that. That's a little bit different. That's something I've never seen before. I should be in tune with that. Anywhere that they go for the first time or anything new, unique, different. They did a, They used to do a military game every year uh, near a different um, base or fort. So... I'm I'm in favor of all of those things, but it's just not going to drag, you know, grab my attention beyond the first time. Everything all right over there? We good? Okay. What else? Well, the NL the NL wild card race again heating but, up. By the way, here. everyone should wear use number two number two pencil bats. That's just a big thumbs up. And I want more creativity in bats in general. That's I've just realized like this made me re- like if you want to put cool like dragons on bats and like do other I'll awesome ask things. I'll for my this season. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm all in favor. Sponsored, of that. I'll get sponsored yeah. this season for the first time ever. Yeah, let's get on that. Let's get on that. All right, what else? Well, for a while we thought the Arizona Diamondbacks were falling off after a seven-game skid. Correct it. Correct it. A nine-game skid shortly after the All-Star break, but nope, they're back and they're heating up. One game behind in the last wild card spot with a seven and three stretch in their last ten games, so just teams fluctuated in and out. In and out, nobody's had a consistent spot. Just shows, and I don't know why I've been so obsessed with the NL wild card race, but it's just the uh, the amazement of everybody flowing in and out, and just the, all these teams. Just it's it's, it's a dogfight. Everybody's a game out. Everybody's sliding in, sliding up. But the the, the, the Diamondbacks still showing tremendous resiliency as to when we all thought. Yeah, it's 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 over for them, but nope, they're right back in it. All right, and all them, Cincinnati and Miami, all tied one game behind the the last spot. So this is going to be. I don't think I've ever followed a wild card race so closely before, but this is going to be um, spicy. All right, we're going to have to pause right there, and I apologize, Grant. Uh, we're going to move some things around this hour, but it's that it's good so far. So good. I know it's an awkward way to f- close your final ever episode of. Uh, this week and the rest of baseball, but we will come back and let you finish it up later on. All right. Appreciate it. As uh, right now, we're going to dive back into what we were talking about for the better part of the first hour of today's show, which is uh, the story today in the New York Times. Uh, John Angelos goes on the record with uh, Tyler Kepner of the New York Times about a whole bunch of different things. Uh, joining us now, the author of that story and the man who had that interview, he is Tyler Kepner, and he is with us here on GCR. Tyler, it's Glenn in Baltimore. Good morning. Really appreciate taking the time for us. Thanks. Always nice to hear that uh, that this week in baseball theme. Yeah, man. Always, I do. That's pretty cool. I feel a certain way. Unfortunately, I've got the uh, Grant, who's been interning for us this summer and has been doing this this week in the rest of baseball segment for us. I'm not sure that anyone their age feels the exact same way. They, what you and I feel about that music and when we knew this week in baseball was coming on, I just don't know that young people can understand that at all. It was it was a special right. time. 
Yeah, that and like the uh, the NBC Game of the Week theme song music. Like that would be like played at my funeral kind of music. Man. I love that stuff. <laughs> um, Tyler, obviously, I'm sure you're aware, a uh, lot of reaction here in Baltimore to your conversation. I'm, I'm wondering if you could just, before I get into more of the meat of it, could you lay out the, the timing for me? When did you talk to John Angelos? Was it... I, like it, it felt like you know it was almost in response to the Kevin Brown situation. What was the timeline for how this all came about? Uh, no, it really wasn't. I mean, I, I, I try to lay that out at the start of the story. Um, you know, about that we talked, and then a couple of days later, the Brown thing came out. Um, you know, I actually talked to him. Oh, for a while, for an hour or so, back when they were in New York uh, earlier in the season, just kind of just getting to know him and just sort of laying the groundwork for something later in the year if the Orioles were still on top and still doing well. Um, and so they were, and, you know, that, that came about. We thought it'd be a good day, uh, you know, to, to, to speak with them when the 83 team was there. Um, it was kind of a fun night. And so that was when we, we did it. And then the Kevin Brown thing came down a couple of days later, and I was like, oh, man, so I got to go back to him. And, uh, you know, I had to go back to him and just journalistically. I had to, like, you know – find out a little bit more about that situation before I ran the story because uh, that was in the news after we talked. So, yeah. Um, the the interesting part about that being it, it it felt like a lot of Orioles fans when that was going on said, we, we just, just apologize for this and make sure it never happens again. And while there's no apology in there, it feels like the closest thing that you could get from an owner of a baseball team to an apology, which is that shouldn't have happened and it won't happen again. It, it's it's very it's still odd to me how all of it played out. I still don't get it fully, even though I have talked to so many people about it. But I, I guess at least we can recognize that they're not trying to double down, and John Angelos is being uber defensive about it, and has at least said, "Look, that that should it never should have that situation shouldn't have occurred." Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was that was the feeling I got from him, which was just that. Uh, you know, that he wasn't happy that that happened. He certainly wasn't happy that it was taking <clears throat> attention away from the team. Um, realizes that it, it, it looks pretty absurd. Um, and, you know, just was saying it shouldn't happen and won't happen again. I mean, in terms of getting into the blow-by-blow blow of why it happened, that wasn't the reason I was writing the story, and I wasn't going to make the whole story about that. I didn't really care. Um, you know, that's, that's a little bit old, but um, I just wanted to get his – his uh, statement sort of on where, well, what he wanted to convey about that situation. Cause we hadn't heard from him. You know, I, I, I would have thought maybe that first day, if it wasn't this big misunderstanding, you know, you come out and say, Hey, you know, this wasn't how it happened, but he waited a while. And, and that was, uh, that was what he said about that. So now the crux of the conversation that you had and, and Tyler, I think this is the part that people in Baltimore are struggling with what, what the response has largely been from folks in Baltimore is that it feels like, essentially John is using this conversation to say either I'm going to get what I want in these negotiations or I'm not going to spend money on baseball players. And it's not direct. And I've said that a couple times today. He didn't directly say that. And so we're reacting to something that we feel like he said that he didn't actually say. But did it feel like that was what he was suggesting to you as you were having the conversation? Well, it it felt like... um it felt like he really wants to use this opportunity in the lease to 
you know, to, to do something new at Camden Yards, which obviously would, would help the Orioles business. And, and, you know, and he, he talked a lot about how it would help in his opinion, the community and all that stuff. And, and, you know, and that's, that's for the community and the, the government people to, to debate and all that. Um, but it is an opportunity, you know, because it's the, they're at the end of the lease at the start of a new one to try to get what every owner wants, which is a brave, uh, a brave thing, right? I mean, the Braves, so I tried to set it up the story as like when mm-hmm. Camden Yards came in, it was revolutionary because it, it showed everything that you could do with a ballpark and integrating the ballpark with a city. And what the Braves did was build their own city, essentially, and not just bring business to the city, but bring business to the organization because you own the ancillary businesses. And, you know, he's been very open about how how much that model appeals to him. I mean, he took the governor down there to Atlanta to see it. So that's that's where this is really coming from. And by calling it an existential sort of part of this organization, that that I felt was significant because to me that means that, you know, you need this you need this plan to survive and to survive, meaning say so you can keep your players and all that. So however you want to read that, you know, but but I, I feel like to Angelos, it's all connected. So, which, the funny part being, Tyler, I think most, I don't know if most people, but I think a lot of us would say, we like the sounds of it, right? Like, it's it sounds like it would be good not just for the team, but for the city. The problem being the very practical side of it, which is that this is not the same as Atlanta. In Atlanta, we all know, right? They didn't, they moved out of the downtown portion of Atlanta in order to find the space in order to be able to do this. In Baltimore, the space doesn't exist, and you know what what John Angelos has asked for literally can't be done based on the way the lease is written with the the other stadium downtown. They can't give up those parking spots because they have been promised those parking spots. The Ravens, like I, I, I think that the tough part is trying to figure out if it just practically isn't feasible given where the ballpark is. What happens next? Like I, and I, I know that there's no obvious answer to that because John Angelos is going to keep fighting. But it feels like that almost becomes an existential crisis, which is that there just might not feasibly be a way to do this where the stadium is. Right, and that's the sort of you know the the, the detail thing. I you know you do a story like this, you could get you could get bogged down in the details for all the words that you have, you know, for all the space that you have, and then you don't really you know, and then you don't really do anything else. I I felt like it was a rare opportunity to talk to the owner and get him sort of on the record about how he feels about mm-hmm. this plan and what the plan is. So all that stuff about the, the parking spaces and the, and, and the Ravens um, issue with those and the lease. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's all going to have to be worked out um, politically. I think the way the Orioles see it, and maybe I conveyed this in the story is that there's a ton of acreage there. And yes, the Ravens are there. They use it 10 times a year for football events. Baseball uses it 10 times that or nine times that, whatever. Um, and you have all these parking spaces, why not turn that into some public-private fun stuff and park in all those uh, downtown parking lots, you know, and the, and the uh, and, uh, at the hotels and all the parking areas, and you can just walk to the ballpark. I mean, that's how you do it. Like, for example, Fenway Park is not surrounded by right. acres of parking lots. It's surrounded by downtown lots, and people go there, and then they walk to the ballpark or take the tea. So. You know, I, I think he's trying to imagine it that way, right. whether you can do that legally or whether they can work it out. The government, that's 
that's not for me to figure out. No, I understand. That's certainly it's not. It's above my pay grade as well. I just it, it comes back to. But what? But what if this doesn't go the way that you want it to go? What happens next? And that's the part that we're struggling with here. I also right. I, I, yeah, that's right. That was your question. Yeah, no, and I don't know. I mean, because I you know if they get to it and they can't do it and they just sort of sign up again at Camden Yards and they get their six hundred million to you know to to put the light bulbs back in and make a bigger scoreboard and stuff. You right. know. They, then is it status quo, and do they just stay a small market team that has a little four-year window, five-year window, and then rebuild again? I don't know. I don't. I don't have those answers either, unfortunately. Tyler Kapner with us here on GCR. Tyler, I also feel like it's it's interesting, and it comes on the heels, of course. Uh, and John, you know, has has said um, out out of nowhere before the season, we always believed that the Orioles' model was the Astros, and then before the season began. He, he told reporters, well, actually, we're trying to be the next Tampa. And I wondered in that moment if as much as everybody said, well, they're just trying to say they wanted to sustain small market success, I wondered if that was him kind of announcing, look, understand, this payroll's not moving. Like, the one thing we know about Tampa is the payroll does not come out of the bottom third of baseball, ever. And I just wonder if we should have listened then and understood that was him saying, this is the way it's going to be here. Like, th- we're going to try to compete but it's not going to be with an elevated payroll in Baltimore. That's simply not happening. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I mean, uh, you know, they had a top – I think they sneaked into the top ten in payroll um, in 2015, 16, 17, somewhere in there right. when that team got expensive. Um, and I don't think they liked it. And I think, you know, payrolls have still continued to skyrocket and all that. And I think it's – you know, and, and now, you know, John Angelos is in charge where he wasn't in charge back then. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would be pretty surprised um, to see the Orioles. And they're not, they, they can't come right and say that we'll never have a top 10 payroll. Um, but I'd kind of be surprised if they do. And so that leaves you with not an Astros model, you know, and, they, and the, the Orioles would say that the Astros, Houston is a much bigger market than, than Baltimore and all that. Um, but I would, you know, the Astros, the Astros model is good to me, but I don't, I don't, it's not my money, obviously. And, and I don't think the Astros, I don't think the Orioles are, are, have the appetite to do that in the sense that, you know, they say we're not going to, he, he said, you know, he doesn't think running losses is, is the right way to, to uh, run a team. So if you're not going to run losses, you need a lot more revenue. Where are you going to get the revenue? Well, he hopes that, you know, this new stadium deal could, could give him some of that revenue. No, and he also brought up the idea of raising prices. And as I said before, I know that there would be a certain part of the fan base that would say, hey, if I'm, if I'm promised a good team and the players that I love, go ahead and raise those prices because it's a lot better than paying to watch Ty Wigginton play baseball, which is something that we were asked to do at one point here in Baltimore. Um, I, 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 I bring this all up it's sort of in the context of, Tyler, is it possible, right? Like the, the Tampa thing has worked, but not to win a World Series. Is it possible to run a team that way and build an actual World Series champion, even with the quality core that the Orioles have put together? Like, can they, you know, thread the needle perfectly to get the right players on the field at the right prices and somehow win a World Series in the next couple of seasons? I mean, it's possible just because the postseason is so, um, offers so much randomness. I mean, you saw there in Baltimore the, the best season the Orioles have had when they got to the LCS in 14, yeah. who they lose to, they lost to the yeah. Kansas City Royals um, who won the world series the next year, um, you know, with a, I think it was like a 15th payroll or something. So again, not, not bottom third, but you know, squarely in the middle. Um, 
So, I mean, that, that can happen, but a lot of things had to break right for the, the Royals to do that that year. Um, so I think once you get into the playoffs, obviously your odds are better. The better players you have, the more money you pay them, but not always. I mean, we've seen a lot of teams, you know, like just look at this year. The Mets, the Mets think the Yankees, they're under 500. The Padres are under 500. Um, money doesn't equate to success all the time, but it sure gives you a better chance to succeed. Um, and that's where you wonder, you know, when you get into the postseason, will these other teams that have more depth uh, via payroll, will they be able to beat them? But the Royals example shows you that it can be done. That's true. Uh, it's a very fair point. It's a very, it, you know, again, you got to thread the needle exactly the right way, and you got to have a good amount of fortune. You bring up, like, the 2014 Orioles, who maybe they could have won a World Series had they not lost Chris Davis and Manny Machado, and the list goes on from that right. point. Yeah, I mean, you know, they were the best team in the Ameri- they had the best record in the American League for a five-year span. And they didn't do, you know, they didn't get to the World Series. They didn't win a game past the first round or past the division series. So that's tough. I mean, and it doesn't feel like they were the best team in the American League for five years, but they were. So it just, it didn't break right for them. The thing about the Royals, of course, is that, yeah, they broke through. They really took advantage of a very small window, but it was a very small window. Look at the Royals now. So, you know, like the Pirates one had three straight years where they were a wild card team and they didn't break through, um, but their run only lasted three years. It's just these windows are, 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 are possible, but they're pretty short. And I think that's what he was saying about, you know, in the previous interviews about Tampa Bay and Cleveland and, and, and Milwaukee, which is that they've had longer windows. They haven't broken through and won a World Series, but they, they have been able to avoid the, like, three years and then another long dry stretch like Pittsburgh and uh, Kansas City have had. So, you, you know, what the Orioles want to do is keep this thing going somehow for a long time without running a high payroll, and that's really tough. It is. There's no question about it. Tyler, I ask you this question before I let you go, and I, I'm falling back on you've covered this game for a very long time. You've been around. You've seen everything that's happened here in Baltimore. There are a percentage, and it's a sizable number, of Orioles fans that sort of lump the, the, the missteps of the Kevin Brown thing and the kind of unknown about – and they just say this is the same old thing. This is the same thing that we have dealt with forever – since Peter Angelos bought this baseball team, or really after the, 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 the 95, 96, 97 years. Is that fair to John Angelos? Is it fair to the Orioles for there to be this feeling of they're always going to get in their own way, they're always going to find a way to screw up a good thing? Well, I mean, it, it, you can't really tell the fans how to feel, and, and, and I feel like you know you look at, there's a lot of history there and a lot of history is, is, is not good. So, you know, I, I, as I wrote, you know, there's going to be some trepidation um, among the fans. I think, I think the only thing that I would, that I would say is that it is still pretty early in this regime and that, you know, for whatever else people think about John Andrews, I don't know that there is yet a record of him um, interfering in the baseball operations the way that, that Peter Angelos um, routinely did. I don't think, I mean, he, he, you know, for every, whatever you might say about him, he never once claimed in, in, in all of our time talking that, you know, that he knows baseball operations better than Mike Elias. I think he's very confident in Mike Elias. Now he's going to set the budget and everything. Um, but I don't think he's going to look at baseball operations the same way that his father did. Um, and it's early in his tenure as the chief executive there. So we don't know precisely how it's all going to unfold. 
unfold. Now, maybe some of the early signs are not good, but then again, look at the team on the field right now, and, and, and it is good. And they've got an open canvas for what to do because they have no payroll commitments. Um, and with a smart guy like Mike Elias running the baseball shop, um, with all of his experiences in Houston, maybe he will make that open canvas into something beautiful. So I, I think there's a, there is definitely reason to be optimistic. Just look at the team on the field. They are fun and enjoy it. I don't want to say enjoy while it lasts, but just enjoy it, man. Cause you know, it, it, it look, it, it, it can't get a whole lot worse than it did between 98 and 11. Nice. So, so just, you know, enjoy the, uh, the fact that, that the, that the downstretch here between, you know, the, the last winning teams and this winning team really wasn't all that long. No, that's fair. And obviously it was done purposefully and it worked um, to at least this point. There's no question about it. Uh, if you've not read Tyler's books, uh, The Grandest Stage, A History of the World Series, or, uh, of course, K, A History of Baseball and 10 Pitches, I would encourage you to. They're both outstanding. Uh, a lot of 83 World Series in that uh, Grandest Stage book. It's worth checking out as we're celebrating the 40th anniversary this year. Uh, at Tyler Kepner on Twitter. Tyler, really appreciate it. No, it's a busy day. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Okay, thanks a lot for having me. Tyler Kepner with us here on GCR. Um, what can I unpack quickly from there? You know, I, I've struggled with like what's fair, what's unfair today as far as criticism goes. And I'm going to tell you, here's one that I think is unfair. It's unfair... For people to say, John Angelus just needs to shut up. Because here's what I would tell you. If he did, you'd be mad about that too. So that alone, if you have a problem with what he said, I get it. But to try to say, John Angelus needs to shut up. or he, he, we, We've been openly critical of John Angelus for the number of times that he didn't talk. So... That one's unfair. That one's unfair. I get the frustration, but it's unfair. It's the wrong criticism to choose. What's fair? What's fair is to say that what it sounds like is you saying that the future of the baseball team is going to be tied to this thing that just might not be practical. And that's problematic. Now, I have to be fair and say, again, that this is kind of how negotiating works. You try to play your best hand. For the Orioles, it's my best hand is, you want to have a good baseball team? You want to keep players around? Well, I need better ways to make more revenue. That's their best hand. I have to be honest. That's negotiating. That's what it looks like. It's not pretty. It feels like we're being held hostage, but that's negotiating. Now, to the point where we say, we well, already got your $600 million. This is, this is it. That's how I feel. I do. My opinion is there's no more public money that goes towards the Orioles. And when you keep saying public-private, which is what John Angelos loves to say, at some point you got to tell us what's the private side of it. Because there's an awful lot of public. Now tell me what the private part of it is. And maybe that's what he's not done a good job. Maybe John Angelos knows that there's a far better private commitment that's part of it and isn't laying that part out in the correct way in the court of public opinion. 
if you're going to negotiate publicly, you at least might want to put the side of where, what are you doing for this on the table? Because just for the betterment of the city, well, there's a lot of things that would just be for the betterment of the city. That doesn't mean that we can just keep giving money away. It doesn't work that way. But it's fair to say that it doesn't present a good picture for you to make it look like the future of, if you like, do you like this baseball thing? You like this? I better get what I want. And again, he never directly said that during the interview, but it reads that way. It reads like there is a tie between it. The more concerning part is the idea that, again, what isn't guaranteed, and what is that if they get what they want for this Camden Crossing thing, he's not guaranteeing that means they're going to spend money on baseball players. And that is, you know, when you talk to people in other, like in Miami, there's the scenario where you can give and you get nothing in return. That all you get is an opportunity to allow a baseball owner to profit and nothing else out of it. Although, again, uniquely in this circumstance, you would still think that at the bare minimum, it would be beneficial for the city. There would be more people downtown. There would be more, like, the bare minimum. I can't defend it. I can't do that. But I can acknowledge that it might just be negotiating. And that's ugly. We all got very, remember um, 2013 when the Ravens won the Super Bowl and they were supposed to get the Thursday night game at home, but the Orioles had a game scheduled. And there was a lot of cattiness about this. Like, how dare these creeps from the NFL try to muscle their way? That's not what it was. They were trying to negotiate. They were trying to paint a picture for what's best for the city of Baltimore. And you can have whatever opinion you wanted to have. It was. It ultimately ended up being a, a terribly bad look that day because the 2013 Orioles didn't end up being good in September, coming off of what had been a good season. And there was a meaningless baseball game being played downtown on that evening with a got. very small yeah. crowd as the Ravens are being skull-dragged in Denver, which doesn't mean they wouldn't have been skull-dragged at home. It wouldn't have been, they wouldn't Den- have. They wouldn't. It wouldn't have been Denver. They, I don't know who would have been. I don't remember at this point who it would have been. Um, but they might have been skull dragged in that game. They did this this fun bit where they got rid of their best wide receiver for no reason uh, after the 20. 20- it was this wacky thing that they did where they were like, you know the guy that kind of carried us to a Super Bowl? We don't want him anymore. So maybe they always were going to have a, a tax to pay because of it. And then after that season, they were like, hey, we need a wide receiver kind of like the guy we had that we just got rid of. And then it was weird because then the following year they were good again. Not that I don't still think about it 10 years later moral of the story it was negotiating there was money involved they were trying to position and it gets ugly during those things and i can acknowledge that negotiating gets ugly and that's not fair and you can say it's not fair to the team or to the fan base that it's happening at the time in which the orioles are very good and that should be all that we care about it's not fun for sure but negotiating be like that things be like that sometimes I'm in a weird way this is not as egregious to me as the Kevin Brown thing. The Kevin Brown thing was egregious. This at the moment is just some words. Now we'll see. Like the question becomes if the state simply says we can't John, we'd love to. 
This sounds great, but it's not possible. What happens then? That's when this becomes problematic. And that, you know, again, for the the, the lowest common denominator, people are going to say, well, that's when it's Nashville. No, stop. That's not, that's... That's not it. So are you calling John's bluff kind of almost? It's not that I'm calling his bluff in any way. It's that I I don't... As as much as he wants... And what Tyler Kepner said, based on his conversation with John Angelos, it's all fair. There's 10 dates in a football stadium. Give or take, right? Like there might be another concert during the course of the year. Obviously, there's preseason games. No, there's only one or two of those anymore, right? Like there's even if you count those, there's there's ten to twelve. You know, if they they host a postseason game, we're talking about at most like thirteen dates on the calendar. Maybe one year they go crazy, they have a soccer match and a concert okay. in the summer, right? Like, but we're still we're, we can't even math our way to twenty dates. It's less than that. Meanwhile, the baseball team is definitively 80-plus. Again, postseason could go over 90. If they want to host concerts, you could get in the territory of 90. So you can understand, well, if we have this many dates and we have this many dates, and this goes back to the original agreement with the stadium authority, which was that the baseball team was going to have the first right to every date literally on the calendar. I don't think people understood that about... like As, as much as we defended the Orioles at first about the they have the date... They, you know, the, the NFL should play on Wednesday, whatever they wanted to say back in 2013. The part that we never want to deal with was the Orioles had the right to say to say like the, um, the, the marathon. By the way, you don't get to have your event. Hmm. We can just kick you out if we make the playoffs. We can just say that's not happening. That was what was given to the Orioles, in fairness, because their stadium was there first. In order to create this stadium district, they had to give something to the Orioles to say we're you're going to lose some parking spots, you're going to lose something, but here's what you're getting in return. Understandable, right? Like I get it. That's what you had to do. The Orioles feel like they should have more. We have more dates. We're the baseball team, the stadium is more beneficial to the city than the football stadium is. They're not wrong. But they're still like practicality still has to exist. And to say we'll give up those parking spots and just have people park in the, the garages downtown if they want to drive downtown, that doesn't work for football. Football is very unique. In football, tailgating is part of the culture. It's part of if tailgating were to go away, there would be people that simply would not choose to come to football games. Period. Because it's about the event for them. It's about the day. It's not about going taking the light rail to the game. It's about the, the kind of camaraderie and fellowship and almost religious experience of a football day. So you can't compare those things. And can it be practical? I struggle with it. Can we get a break? Is Jeremy yeah, going to yeah. lose his mind? Uh, I mean, he might, but... Well, I mean, I love him, but we're, you know, we're good. All right, let's, um, let's, uh, let's grab a break here, and then Jeremy Conn will join us, and we'll talk more about uh, this. Fun day! <laughs> love this! This is exactly the type of radio that I enjoy doing. 
Um, do you want to tell everybody about what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland first? Yeah, I want to tell everybody about David's. Something new here at Live Casino and Hotel in Maryland. Check out David's new menu featuring barbecue ribs, strawberry cheesecake waffles, blue bay mussels, and of course, snow crab legs by the pound. Your perfect gin and tonic is just a shake away as you craft your perfect combo. And be sure to stay for live music every Thursday through Sunday at David's at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Adirondo Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLING. All right, we'll come back in and talk to Jeremy next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports. Sports and that promo code Glenn Clark 23. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. Last weekend of the regular season kicks off on Friday the 8th with Adley Rutschman Night. Mystery Adley Rutschman giveaway items for the first 750 fans. Fireworks on Saturday with the return of our 1K beer run. See how fast you can complete the race while getting three beers down. And our Birdland celebration on Sunday. Free autograph items for the first 1,000 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at ajmichaels.com. That's ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. America's biggest bike race returns to Maryland Sunday, September 3rd as 120 of the world's best cyclists race the Maryland Cycling Classic presented by United Healthcare. Come enjoy the free fan zones and festival with interactives, food, and drink beginning at noon. Then see the exciting race conclusion from 3 to 5 p.m. in the Inner Harbor. Come be loud, be proud, and let the world hear you. For more information, go to 
MarylandCyclingClassic.us. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR as we can continue along here on a Monday edition of the program. Fun day! Fun day! Jeremy Kahn, I'm late getting to him because I'm a jerk, but I love him nonetheless. And he is with us now here on uh, GCR. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Oh, what's that? You want me to come on at twelve thirty? One o'clock. What time do you want me to come on? What a jerk! What a jerk! He literally said, "Can you come on at eleven fifteen? And I wrote, "Perfect." Yeah, and, and then and then well, okay. So so I, I'm sure you guys had to deal with this morning. Like you plan a show, right? Yeah. And then this yeah, this new change. right this New York Times thing comes out, and we're like, "Oh, well, I guess we've got to deal with this now." Like clearly, that's going to be the agenda for the day in this media. So you know, we had reached out to a uh, Tyler Kepner who wrote the story for the New York Times and. He had said, yeah, absolutely, I'll come on at 11.45. And then he just randomly called in. <laughs> like, literally <laughs> called the hotline at 11.10 or whatever it was. And Griffin's like, uh. Yeah, and, I, and it's not like you're not going to get Randy Jackson. Correct, exactly right. If, if you got a sword, you go get it signed by Randy. Hey, did you see our buddy, uh, there was a hot take from our friend Eric Arditi over the weekend. Did you see this one? He, Maybe. He claimed that the sweet child of mine scene is completely unfunny and the worst scene in all of Step Brothers. How did you feel about that? The sweet child of mine. All right, so Where they're all in the car, right? And it's it's Adam Scott, it's Derek. Oh, and he starts oh, yeah, leading yeah, them Derek. on in a sing-along, and he does the, and I sing high like this. Yes, yes correct. Phenomenal scene. Phenomenal. I agree. Now, I had yeah. to think about it a little bit more. I don't know if it's... As like, if the point is that it's not alone slapstick comedy as much as it's just it's setting the tone, it's teaching us more about Derek and what yeah. he's all about. I, I, I am like I could listen to the argument about whether or not it alone is purely hilarious. I think yeah. we all like it in the context of what we know the purpose that it served in the movie. But if we just saw that on the internet, if it was just a TikTok one day and we knew nothing about the movie and it was four people singing along in a car, I don't know how I would feel about it. The problem well, is that's not what it is. So it, Eric's yeah, an I, asshole. I, well, yeah, I, I have a problem with that just because of like, I feel like the character development in that scene alone and just that one scene, the car scene, tells you everything you need to know about Derek's wife. Yes. <laughs> and yes. it tells you everything you need to know about Derek. Yep. And so, yeah, I do think it's important I'd say this though, like too, like in the movie Step Brothers, I still feel like th- the greatest scenes were kind of deleted from the movie. The Hawk Hand scene, if you've never seen it, I do um, remember. Yes, I remember. So it was yeah. a deleted scene, and basically they get to open up one gift before Christmas, and so Brennan opens up a rawhide wallet, and Dale gets Hawk Hand. So obviously, with these grown yes. children, yes. Brennan's going to be pissed off that Dale got F and Hawk hands and he got a freaking rawhide wallet. So, but it's still, that movie has one of my favorite lines in a movie in in like movie history where the husband asked to go to the cheesecake factory and she goes, well, it's Christmas Eve. And then he goes, well, Merry Christmas then. And then he leaves. (laughs) I mean, that's, 
it's just perfect. It really is a really well done movie. I mean, I'm gonna go to the, I still never, I'm gonna go to the go cheesecake fact. I God, it's now I'm remembering all of the context of it too. Which is yeah, just like and it's just they're over there playing with the toys and he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go uh, he said, I'm gonna head over to the cheesecake. But honey, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> that makes it all better. Oh, and then I God. found out too, by the way, that the the scene where he pretends to be a dinosaur, did you read about that this weekend? No, I didn't. That was off the cuff. So Adam McKay went over to, what's the actor's name? Richard, um, the guy that played the dad. I love him. Oh, yeah, he is brilliant. God damn, he's brilliant. And oh. every single thing he's in, he's brilliant. And he, um, he like, Richard Adam Jenkins. McKay walked, yes, Richard Jenkins. Adam McKay walked over to him and tell him, he said, I want you to tell um, the, uh, Dale and Brennan that your dream was to always be a dinosaur and pretend to be a dinosaur. Because this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And he said they did it in one take. They recorded it, and the reactions are all natural. Oh, so it was oh, it was really cool. Oh, Sorry, we get on a rant about no, Step Brothers. No, well, it's better. It's it's we're better served dealing with that. It's the fifteenth anniversary gonna, of Step Brothers. Yeah, I'm gonna find out where Eric lives and sweep the leg. Dude, what a jerk, right? Like this is the by the way, too. but this is the problem with Eric is that it, when it comes to movie, he's also the guy that like hates the Sandlot. So, like, at some point, he's just sort of, like, shot his wide. He, this is who he is. He's a movie contrarian, and we just can't take anything he says about the topics. Like, I love him. I love him. He's one of my, a, a close friend. But we just can't take anything he says about movies seriously because he's clearly yeah, well, he's unserious. On, how about his love for Jurassic Park? I mean, how weird is that? Like, I like Jurassic Park. Everybody likes yeah. Jurassic Park. But, like, come on, man. <laughs> like, it's a, it's a known fact that he like camps out at the movie theater for all of these crap Jurassic Park films they keep putting out. I Can we just do a segment where we bash him and see how long it takes him to get back yeah, to Yeah, right, for him to realize what yeah. we're doing. <laughs> what a piece <laughs> anyway. of crap that guy is. Why, why are any of us friends with him? All right. RDT, those are not even my favorite letters in the yeah, alphabet. Yeah, they're like some of the Weak. worst, right? And it doesn't even yeah. make sense. Like, try to read it, read it, read it, read it. Reddit's terrible. Yeah. They give here. two of those away in the in on Wheel of Fortune at That's the end true. of the show every time. Right. An R and a T. You get those automatically. Uh, he's just a you D. Want the D. That's oh, it. Sorry. Yeah, he just. A, <laughs> you, yours was better than mine, for the record. Yours was better than mine. <laughs> All right. Oh God. Um. So how do you handle it? Like we talked about this with the Kevin Brown like a couple weeks ago. I'm in a weird place where like I I I get why everybody's worked up about this. I also know how negotiating works, and that you're. Like, you're going to try to project that, well, if you want to have a good baseball team, we're going to need this. Like, I understand that's how negotiating goes. And I also understand that it, like, conflates with the bigger problems that existed during the history of the Angelos family's leadership of the Baltimore Orioles. And it all kind of comes dumping in together in one moment. I, I, I'm kind of at a loss for this one, which is I'm not – I am probably not quite as worked up as everybody else is, but I am concerned about, like, the – what happens if just feasibly the city says, we can't do this, we can't give you this space, or the state says it? It's not possible. We have to have 4,000 or whatever the number is, parking spots for the Ravens. We can't give away the parking lots. That's not going to happen. What, where do we go from here? Well, I mean, this whole thing, first off, it, like I just listened back to myself um, telling people, don't treat John and, you know, and his brother like you did his dad. Like mm. They're not definitely you know, you don't know that the Angeloses are going to be just like their dad and this and that. And here we are. (laughs) I can just hear myself stop. Just give them an opportunity to prove that they're not. And I don't know, maybe this, 
uh, I mean, you guys talked to Tyler. What, what did he have to say about the article? Was there I mean, anything that I don't want to say taken out of context, but like no. if he said, hey, if he's I can't afford to pay all three like Jackson, Holiday, Adley, Rutschman. Right. Um, and and uh, uh, and Gunner, like they're all going to end up wanting max deals and I'm not I can't afford to pay all of them. And that makes it difficult. Like I'm listening to that, but I don't even know why that has to be brought up now. Like. It's well, and that's, it's, right that's the weird part to me, right? Because I've seen a lot of the criticism is just, hey, John Angelus just shouldn't be talking. But we're going to criticize him for that, too, right? Like, And that's the difficult part about this for me, is that the, the least thing has hung over and everybody has wanted to know about it. And so if John Angelos wasn't talking, we'd scream and yell, well, why isn't John Angelos talking? So I don't think that's a fair thing to say. I understand the point of... Well, you don't need to be telling everybody right now that you're not going to sign your baseball players. But I do wonder if that's part of negotiating. And maybe I'm giving him well, too much credit, right? Like, No, that was the next point I was going to make. Like, are you, is this some sort of, I don't want to call it negotiating through the media, but like you're letting it be known. Like, hey, if you want me to keep all these players, then I'm going to need all this other stuff. And, and I think you probably nailed exactly what this is. I, I don't know the business needs to be done that way. Um, but it seems like these scare tactics. Oh, I don't know if the team will leave. Oh, I don't know if we have enough space. We'd like to build something extra. You better look at the team's really good. I don't know if we can afford these guys. I mean, that's what it feels like, but either way, it just sucks. Like we don't get too many of these years and maybe we have a few more of them coming. Let us at least think we're going to have this great team for the next 15 to 20 years or whatever, or that at least the next five years are going to be great for us watching these guys play together. But we can't even get that. We have to worry about, oh, okay, enjoy it now because it's going to be gone when their contracts come up. Jeremy, to your point, I, I don't think – I certainly don't have any misgivings that every single player is all going to get a $300 million contract and they're all going to stick around long term. I I have I think we all, for the most part, have understood the Orioles aren't going to be the Dodgers. They're not going to be the Yankees. There's some in between. But the, the, the weird part to me is that this comes on the heels. When, when, the, when the next Tampa thing came out in spring training, I remembered feeling much strongly, much more strongly about those comments than a lot of people. There were a lot of people that wanted to say, well, that's probably just his way of saying, like, I want to compete as a small market team. But to me, it felt very pointed. He didn't say, the one thing we know about Tampa is they're always in the bottom third of payroll. Always, 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 mm-hmm. always. And when they take a jump up, they take a jump up to 21st in payroll. And that's like the most that they spend. And then they cut that back as well. And it felt to me like they were announcing as as prominently as they could, stop thinking this is going to be the Astros. It's not going to be the Astros. We're going to do the Tampa model. And it it sounds like, okay, well, Tampa wins a lot and they're kind of regularly in the mix. That's a good thing. But we also know why it's been extraordinarily difficult for Tampa to sustain and build a World Series winner specifically and uniquely. It's because the players are constantly coming in and out. And it's very difficult to get that fan base to get you know excited and fall in love with that baseball team and commit and believe to it. And it's this almost unique baseball experiment that you know there's a reason why a lot of us wonder if Tampa is going to be able to sustain as a baseball market. Despite well, the fact that they, they're regularly winning. Yeah, well, I think they just took their first really big hit with the Wander Franco, Franco stuff, yeah. and we don't even know how that ends. Yeah. And, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of anything, but, like, um, it sounds like he's not going to play baseball again from some of the initial yep. reports that are coming out. And if that's the case, I mean, this is kind of the first real big blow to this raised organization outside of some of the injuries. Like, I think somebody should look into why every one of their pitchers has to have Tommy John. Um, 
But that being said, they really don't have any misses when it comes to free agency. They didn't have too many misses in the trade. The one miss, I guess you could say, is them moving Joe Ryan away. Um, but, you know, that was to get a player they thought could help them in that year. So I get it. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't mind the business model being them if you're going to spend more money. And it sounds weird. Like, it would suck. And I get it if they all end up being the type of player we think they can be. It would suck to draft Jackson Holiday, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman and see one or two of those guys walk away mm-hmm. um, when the time comes. If you believe the way I do that, at, like Rob says it all the time, and, and I've been, I was saying it too off the air, like Adley Rutschman's a generational talent. I think Gunner's better. Like, yeah. and I think Jackson could be better. Might be better both of them, right, yeah. I mean, we just don't know. And then saying they're better, like there's certain aspects of the game. The team clearly changed when Adley came up. But, um, but we have this talent now, and, and it'd be nice to be able to keep it together and have this homegrown team. And if somebody tried to point out the Braves, the Braves had a lot of foreign-born players that they drafted and were able to avoid some of those arbitration years and make that happen. And it's just like, I don't know now that you're going to be able to do that with a ton of players unless they just really want to get paid right away. And, you know, some of those guys need to help out their families, send money back, all those things. I'll go even a step beyond, Jeremy, which is that, like, if if you're not going to sign those guys, then, like, there needs to be a conversation about what this window really is, right? Like, what what is the window right now? And, yeah. and it was brought up to me a couple times around the trade deadline that, like, when we talk about it as a five-year window – if you're not going to sign these players, then you need to sign, trade them when they have the maximum value, right? Like, that's yeah. that's the raise concept. The raise concept is you maximize everything that you can in every asset, and you don't do the Manny Machado bit where you don't win and you trade him for pennies on the dollar, right? Like, you have to find the max. So if that's ultimately how this is going to go, then it's not really a five-year window that we're talking about. It's more like a three-year window, that you're talking about with this core of players. And if that's the case, then I, probably there's more room for fury about the trade deadline because, like, this is your chance. Like, what you're looking at right now, while we all say, hey, it's the beginning of the window, the truth is the window is so small and one or two injuries can derail you that you definitely should have been far more aggressive at the deadline this year to say this is the small opportunity that we have in order to try to win a World Series. We need to go get two legitimate starting pitchers in order to pull this thing off. I, like it, it's all very like you know that's I I, I feel like I'm I'm flaming and I'm sort of bumbling all over because I'm, <laughs> I'm losing my mind about it. But like this is the reality. The reality is it, you've got to be practical about what you're doing here. And if you're not signing these guys, then you should have been taking more advantage of the window that you have. There's no doubt. And I mean, that's the frustrating part of all this is that you go through these years of rebuilding and you want to get to a point where you're successful. And then the, the, the hope is that you're actually not just building something for the next five years, that you're building something that now has become a machine. And, you know, you're, you're obviously not going to be able to sign everybody, but if you're signing your own and you're drafting, well, that's one thing. The, the thing you'd have to say about the raises not only have they proven that they make smart decisions as far as their business model, but they draft well, usually drafting anywhere from the middle to the end of the draft. And that's where the Yankees have been really good at doing that. The Rays have been really good at doing that in recent years. Um, So you're going to have to prove, and I feel like they have the right guys, but if you're not going to pay the guys on the team, then you better pay to keep this damn front office here. Because if I'm another team looking at what they're doing here, I'm starting to piece this away the same way the Astros did. Like, give me that guy. Give me that guy. Like, I I don't know how you don't look at their business model and say, Oh my God, what they're doing is incredible. Yes. You have to hit on each one of these, 
But so far, they've done a really good job not having misses. They've had some injuries, um, but they, I feel like they've done a fairly good job, all things considered, with baseball. Man, God, I, I hate this so much, dude. Like, I am so. Well, you, we can't have nice things in this city. Like, it's it just, sucks, you know, it, man. it's it, but it, it's just look, I get it again. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm doing the thing that I'm, I'm criticizing fans about. Like, what I hate is I'm over the piss and vinegar part of my job. And I, and I think that you and I have talked about this before. Admittedly, I have more sensitivity to it. I I don't know how you felt in the aftermath of leaving the old radio station that doesn't exist anymore. But, like, I felt an amount of I don't want to be associated with just constantly criticizing for the sake of criticizing, right? Like, I don't want to that be the way that people look at me. I And I'm sensitive about that constantly. But, Jesus, yeah. man, like, there are just... Don't leave me in this position where I don't have a choice, right? Well, like, that's so like a lot of the fan base when the Kevin Brown stuff came out, they were like, I can't believe you guys aren't killing him. And I said, look, I just want to know what the full story is. If this is 100% the truth that they suspended right. him because of what he said on that television broadcast, then shame on them. Like, this is ridiculous. But like the, the report that he puts out, like, it just leads me to believe that something else must have happened. For the, I don't know. I, well, like, I don't know. Based just, on what he said in this interview, it 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 sounds like he's kind of not denying that any of it is, is. But it's so bizarre. Like his response is, "Well, that shouldn't have happened, and it'll yeah. never happen again." Well, like, but but it did happen, and how did it happen? Yeah, <laughs> and, and the thing that like, and I know Kevin wants to move on past it because let's look at right. his job; it's his livelihood, and doesn't want to say anything that could upset whatever. But if that's the fact, then yes, this is a it's a huge black eye for the team, and it's been that way naturally. Now this other stuff that's going on, it just as a fan, it sucks. And I've done a really good job of pulling my fandom out of talking about things. The Orioles are the one team that I grew up with, and it makes it really difficult. But I think with all the years of losing, we've kind of become numb to it, or at least I have. So I don't live and die by certain things until the playoffs start. That's really when my fandom's going to ooze out. But I got to say, once that article came out, once the Kevin Brown stuff was, and I'm going, what are we doing here? Like, let's, let's just have one nice ride where somebody doesn't have to look and go, hey, look, there's a crack in the roller coaster. Right. It's like, what, yep. Wait a minute, is that where we're going to fall off? Like, yeah. hey, this sucks, man. They even talk about this stuff. <sighs> Everything else good? <laughs> cool. Is that war in, uh, in Ukraine still going on? Yeah, I don't God. Know. Did you ever watch Suits, by the way? Because I'm giving that a shot right now, and I can't tell if it's good or not. My wife is watching it now, and so now I'm watching all these I... episodes. Um, it seems like it's probably a show that I could watch and be into because I get into some of her episodes, but... Um, I'm not watching it. No, I'm. I'm actually. As soon as we get off the phone, I'm going to watch Winning Time, oh. and I'm so excited to watch this because I feel like this. Well, yeah, this episode is going to be centered around Larry Bird. Yeah, but you know, this one might be taken away from us too, right? Like, I don't know if you've been paying attention. Jeff Perlman's been on Twitter talking about how apparently the ratings have not been good, and like HBO's threatening that there's not going to be a season three. Like, God, can I have anything in my life? Anything. It's really good. It's it's great. really freaking it's, it's good. Fun as hell. And I'm pissed off about everybody that was angry. But well, you know, this isn't. You know, that's not really how Jerry West was. Get f yourself. F yourself. I like Jerry I'm, West even more now. Correct. I don't think he was that angry. Correct. Hundred percent. But but we you know, the, have you watched Telemarketers yet? No, I don't even know anything about Telemarketers. What's Telemarketers? Oh, so Telemarketers is it was Danny McBride, uh, McBride and the Safdie brothers put this together. It's about the greatest telemarketing scheme that's ever gone on. And it's like, Hey, I'm with uh, the association of firefighters with this and this, and we'd like to get you to donate some money to us. And it's, it's I watched the first episode. The second episode is now out. It's a three part. What, series. What's it on? 
Uh, it's on HBO. It's on Max? Max. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, man, you did tell me about this, up. didn't you? Griffin yeah, told me I about it. I like it a lot. Like, when a dude's like snorting heroin and get ready to make phone calls, it's just, I'm going, right, oh my all right, God. All right, I'll watch. Yeah. I'll watch. I'm in on. Uh, I, you, know still, snorting heroin. you know what I still. Yeah, right? <laughs> Once you said heroin, I was like, well, uh, you know, I'm still mad at myself. Nah, I haven't watched the Beanie Baby movie yet either, and I've been wanting to watch it. I that. watched part of it. It's okay. It's oh, just, it doesn't look like Jack Black initially, or Jack Black, Zach Alphanakis initially. But once you're into it, you start to, you can see it too. All right. All right. Yeah, I've been trying suits because, like, we're in that part where, like, there's not going to be new content for some time, which sucks. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying suits. And, like, I'm, I've literally watched six episodes, and I still find myself saying, like, is anything about this good? Do I like this? I've watched six episodes, and I have no feel for it whatsoever. None. I no just, clue. The, the pro, like, the, inherently the problem with some TV shows that a lot of people like because they like that genre or whatever it may be is that you just don't care about the characters. Like, when I was watching The Walking Dead, I was into it because I cared about the characters, read it. When they started the, the, the Fear of the Walking Dead, I started watching it, and I'm going, I don't want to watch this anymore. Why? Am I, it's just the same crap. It's like zombie. Like, why am I doing this? So I feel like you have to care about the characters, which, going back to what we talked about with Step Brothers, it's apparently important that you have that development of those uh, to make you like, dislike them, whatever. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's why that scene kicks ass and goes, let's get, bring it all back. Go screw, Eric R.D. Yeah. You piece of crap. You know what's good for shoulder pain? Yeah. Hey. Sorry. Look at my... Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, uh, what's coming up on the show this week? So it's just Rob and I. Ed's on vacation uh, down in Florida. And um, so we've got a, we've been going over, like, top five. Like, we've been doing, like, position rankings. And, but it's been different. It's been the top five guys that aren't the top five, top 10 guys. So like, who are the guys you should be watching? So we did quarterbacks last week. I'm sure. We'll do running backs or wide receivers this week. Um, and it's the same stuff like Orioles, Blue Jays going to be great. Ravens preseason game tonight. So I'm sure we'll be talking about all that. Yeah. That makes one of us. I'll pass on that. Um, how, hey, I how, agree. How'd you, how'd you enjoy your uh, interview with Michael Orr this morning? How'd that go? Yeah, it was great. I forgot it was supposed to be today because, like, I was telling the guys, and I wanted to God. put it out there that we had scheduled it. Yeah, and sure, so I mentioned it, yeah. and then, like, like you said when you called me, uh, inherently we were going to get that email. Like, ooh, it's kind of a bad time for us yeah. now. Wonder what happened. Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah. But the funny part being, when it all came down on Monday. And I was like, oh, I got a bad feeling about this. And I sent the message. The first message I got back, I was no, we're going to be there. Can't look, can't wait, looking forward to it. And I was like, yep. wow. They this must is... not have seen what it popped <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Apparently the people involved had no idea why There's it was. There's an alien there. invasion going on? Right. What? What's they have no idea what's happening. <laughs> Very weird. I had Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 on Twitter. Of course, picks every day, pressboxonline.com. Love you, buddy. We'll talk to you next Monday. I'll see you guys uh, when eleven yeah, fifteen, yeah, ten thirty, whatever, whatever we nine forty-five. Block out your okay. entire hour for my dumb show, for my <laughs> stupid nonsense internet radio show. Go ahead and take an entire here. out of hour out of your day. Love you, pal. Thank you. Love you guys. Jeremy Kahn with us here on one zero five seven The Fan. Um, John from Little Rock. I understand what you're saying. Um, so I, I brought up this idea that the Orioles have first right of refusal of every date, and they essentially can muscle their way out of anything. He says, so what happens if the O's have a postseason game on the same day as the Billy Joel concert? I'm sure that will become an Angelos pissing match. So the date of that is Saturday the 7th of October. Here's what I would tell you. By the way, is that wild card weekend? Uh. Yeah, I guess it is. Is that when that would be? That'd be the weekend because they now do that all like they, three so, games in well, three days. So would they have a buy? Yeah, presumably yeah. they'll have a buy. But if they don't, then yes, it's totally possible. 
Uh, I don't remember how that works anyway. Does the does one team host all three games? Yeah, wild one team card weekend. They have to be the they have to be the first wild card to host that that weekend. It is October third is the first day, so I guess it would run from the third to the four, five, the sixth. I guess. Wait, so maybe it wouldn't interfere if there was. Oh, so they don't do it on the weekend anymore. They do it. They move the schedule. Right, hold on. Because they they were doing it at first, where the the wild card games are all over the course of that weekend. Mm-hmm. Because they try to get them over with quickly, so that it's not a long break for the team that wins the the, the top two seeds. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So the first wild card, the the the, the set to open up the wild card series on Tuesday, October third. Okay. All right. So yeah. then, yeah, that yeah. would be that. Then, then, so even if they win the division, then they probably be home that weekend. Yeah. So yeah, it becomes problematic. Well, all right. When Al says the AL and NLDS uh, series openers are scheduled to begin on Saturday the seventh. Right. So. So here's what I would tell you about that. There are enough. There's enough reason for agreement that presumably, when the Ravens announced the concert date, they had talked it out with the Orioles, and the Orioles had run it by May. I, 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 I'm not gonna. I don't know these things, but based on what I know of how these things have happened in the past, the, I would have reason to presume that they talked it out. Hey, this isn't going to be a problem, right? And either they got assurances from Major League Baseball that if there's a game that day, it will be in the afternoon, or that their series would start on Sunday instead of starting on Saturday. That almost certainly was handled and not left. Like, they had a contingency plan built in this time around. They didn't build a contingency plan in when they announced the Major League Baseball schedule back in 2012, because it's such a a unique one-off of if you happen to be the one team that wins the Super Bowl. Now, because it hasn't been an issue again, I've never revisited it. But we do know that the Orioles have had games scheduled on that Thursday. They've played at home on that Thursday that would be the first Thursday of football season. So I don't know if they built in a better contingency plan. Like, if there's been an agreement in place since then, well, hey, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl, here's what we're going to do differently. Because I haven't poked around on that, but maybe I'll poke around on it for funsies. This, the significance of this concert and what it means, I, I have to believe that they built in contingency plans with the Orioles to make sure that that didn't happen. But I can tell you, and I reported it at the time, this is beyond a shadow of a doubt. If the Orioles had continued in the playoffs, in whatever year that would have been, 13, we're the, talking about? Okay, yeah. They, or maybe, maybe, uh, sorry, I might be, I'm sorry, this is 10, 11 years ago that we're talking about. I, I can tell you as a fact that there was a point at which the Baltimore Marathon was going to be canceled Jeez. because the Orioles were going to be home for a game, a playoff game, and they were just going to say sorry. That's it. Because that's the power that the Orioles have within this, the structure of downtown and the stadium. That was made 12 or 13. Well, we remember the power the Orioles had when they were trying to do the car race, right? Like mm-hmm. The Orioles have an unbelievable amount of power. But that uniquely the Billy Joel thing, like I, I refuse to think there's any possibility that that wasn't worked out ahead of time. And if it wasn't, I, I give up about what anybody is doing. I have no idea what anyone does around here. I never know what she's doing back there. Mom, the meatloaf. We're just mixing up um, Will Ferrell movies now this morning. We're just going with all of them. Used to believe that. All right, uh, you want to give you want to just play the music oh, yeah. one more time because now Grant has to pick it back up where he left off, and this is only like this has to be the greatest this week in the rest of baseball <laughs> because it's the last one. 
because we had to separate it. Like this better damn well be the greatest tidbit in the history of this week in the rest of baseball. This week in the rest of baseball. But like no pressure or anything, Grant. Like no, no pressure. pressure. This better have been worth it that we came back to this after we got sidetracked. You better make sure that this is, and this is what you're you're finishing up with. This is the last thing that anybody's, you know, gonna hear from you here for the rest of the forever. Honestly, for yeah. Well, no, forever. Unfortunately, forever. You got bad news. It's just all ends for you here. Darn. You go, you go into your life as a dermatologist moving forward, which as is great. D- like you'll make plenty of money, but nobody's gonna care about your opinions about baseball at that point because you're you're just gonna be worried I'm about gone. skincare. At that, that's the way. It's and I'm getting go. paid. Uh, this week in the rest of baseball brought to you by this print issue of press box, which is available for free at your neighborhood, Royal farms and in the hundreds of locations around town where you find press box, read it all PressBoxonline.com. Great cover story from Bo Smolka about, uh, Lamar Jackson's future after the contract and, uh, whether it's time for him to take that next step and lead the Ravens to a Super Bowl victory. Go pick it up right now. Well, there's a couple things on my mind right now. One is that we have the first member of the 2023 draft class who has already made his major league debut that already. That was crazy. That was crazy. Nolan Schmanuel. 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 I thought I saw it Schmanuel. Is there an M? What? I didn't see one. What did I say? What did I say? Schmanuel. Schmanuel. That's what I said. Sorry. No, but not Shanwell. Shanuel. I did see that over the weekend. It is Shanuel. He's already made his major league debut. 21 games in the minor leagues, and he, he, he hit three. The Orange County Register made it very clear that it's pronounced Shanuel. Shanuel. Go ahead. It, yeah, no, I mean, 370 batting average. It's Shanuel. You see, because it's not Shanwell. No, that's that's it's not. not what, that, what did you I did say? That, you did that Shan poorly, not Shanwell, because oh, it's okay. not Shanwell. It's Shanuel. We'll just call him Nolan. Shanuel. <laughs> We've established that we can move forward now. It's Shanuel. Go ahead. 11th overall pick out of Florida Atlantic See, because you were sitting no. <laughs> Only played in. I'm not. I'm not. I'm done. I'm done. Go. We got, it's 12.08. We got to take another commercial break. We don't have time. I mean, it's this. incredible. I mean, that's that's really all I had to say. It was just him coming up that early. I've, I've, I haven't seen that in Well, a it was time. coming up in context of the conversations we were having about this John Heyman report about mm, yeah. uh, Jackson Holiday. Right. And, you know, well, if they can bring this guy up right now, why couldn't the Orioles? Well, I mean, there's a couple He's, things there. One, yeah. one was a college player. One right. wasn't. Like, that does matter in context. Um, also, it's kind of desperation from the oh, Angels yeah. and kind of naked desperation from now the Angels. Never. Who decided not to trade Shohei Otani, actually Bye. traded for yes. Other players Grand and have Trump. had nothing to show for no. it. They did turn a cool triple play the other night, though. There is Nolan that. Manuel, still lost Nolan the Shemuel game. Yeah, and uh, our friend... Uh, Otani hit a grand slam. I, I don't know if everybody... Olivia Witherite, who used to work for Masson, and I really like She's very sweet. Uh, has been through some tragedy this year, which is awful. Oh. But Olivia Witherite, uh, who I think is still working for The Athletic now. Maybe she's doing something else. Maybe No, yeah, yeah, she left. All right, she left The Athletic. I don't know what she's doing now. But Olivia apparently went to a game... In um in Anaheim, uh, what day? The 18th. So that would have been Friday. Yes. yes. Just saw. She sends a video. Just saw Shohei Otani Grand Slam in person. I have been blessed by the baseball gods in ballpark number 19 for me. Her next tweet: Shohei hit a grand slam. The Angels turned to triple play. <laughs> and they- Los Angeles falls to the Rays nine six. Can't believe I saw the Angels Tungsten O'Doyle in real life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my! It Lord. is kind of magical, I right? Oh, like, I, even when I saw the Angels, like, like when I went out there, like you, you got the it's special. Otani struck out ten guys. He stole a base in, later in the game, and the Angels, and the Angels lost. lost. Did they? Did they do anything? The, they, did they, like, did they do the anything at the plate in, in that game? What? Uh, did Otani do anything at the plate? I mean, he like got on base a couple times. Like he stole a base. Like I mean, it's the it's full just, like, Tungsten O'Doyle like, experience. You got it's. It's like blown away by Otani, and no fans were harmed after the game. Uh, I don't think so. It, oh, all right. Uh, it's it's like uh, you know you go to see Everclear. You wanted to play Santa Monica, baby. Like play the hits. Tungsten Armo Doyle the f out of my trip to a, an Angels game. Yes. <laughs> Give me the full Tungsten experience. I'm getting tickets next year. Man, that is uh, that is something. Uh, yeah, they did that, and everybody said, well, you know, well, if they they brought him up, then they could bring up Jackson Holiday. I don't really want to have the conversation. It did not. What was actually reported did not warrant. I wish that Stan would have been more engaging when we were trying to talk about it on Friday. Like, I think he was too dismissive of it to at least talk it through. Mm. Then he'd just say, well, they're not going to do that. Well, okay. Why? Like, again. <laughs> yeah. Like, we got we to gotta have that conversation. Um, but it did not warrant the amount of internet hype that it was getting over the weekend because the actual words that were used by John Heyman was simply... They will not rule it out, which, as I said, like it would means, be ins- it means so much. It would be insane for them to say, "Well, there's no way." Now, even within, I thought about it more after what we talked about. Well, what if this guy gets hurt? What if that guy gets hurt? Then Joey Ortiz and Connor Norby should be here. Yeah, like that's the re- even in the injury situation, I would still say you have enough qualified major league players. Like, I don't think that it should be Mateo playing every day, but I think if there were to be an injury to somebody, then I think that. Joey Ortiz and Connor Norby should be at the major league level. As polished as they are. Like, they should be at the major league level already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I don't think the answer should be to immediately skip to Jackson Holiday. Again, you got to deal with all these things in the offseason and the glut of what you have and the fact that it doesn't make sense and it's not helping you for Joey Ortiz and Connor Norby to playing, be playing in the minors. It's insanity that you're continuing to do that. Although, when Norfolk wins that shiny trophy at the end of the year, then It'll we get that. worth it. We get that's that, coming. We get a parade, correct? Like we get to throw a parade here for a Norfolk Triple uh, A title. Uh, but no, I, I, th- I, th- what was said did not warrant the amount of hullabaloo it made on the internet. And I still like the circumstance by which I would sign up for it. Although it's funny because I had tons of people on the radio show yesterday messaging me like, "No, you do it now." And I got a, a, like an argument from somebody that said, "You do it now because." If ultimately someone is one of your best 13 position players and you're playing important games, you should have your 13 best position players playing in those important games. And I understood the argument. I don't know definitively. We're still... It's. I think ultimately Jackson Holiday quite clearly, clearly is going to be one of their 13 best position players. Yeah. Do we know that today? No. I don't know. Yeah. And that's a tough thing. I'm not. I ultimately came to. I won't be up in arms if they did it. Right. Okay. Cool. Let's like, ride. Yeah. Like yeah. let's cool. go. But if not, it still comes off to me as probably not the appropriate thing to do. Although let's add into this equation: if they're openly announcing that they're not going to sign guys, then the window's shorter. Is, I mean, maybe you need to get on well. with it. Maybe you need to get on with it. I don't know. Go ahead. Anything else? Well, a huge congrats to a former Orioles prospect who is making the start for the Cardinals tonight. Drew Rahm is going to make his major league debut. And uh, that'll be a tough one. That's going to be a I just this is going to be one of those things that we're going to watch, especially if Jack Flaherty does not pan out. 
Like if Drew Rom is finding success and Jack Flaherty is struggling. Well, you want to talk about Rom? He's got a .082 in two starts with AAA Memphis. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna overreact too much to two AAA starts, but it's gonna be real tough in an organization where we t- keep talking about the lack of pitching. If ultimately you Rom paid goes. the price of a pitcher in exchange for somebody who was non-helpful, that's gonna be a tough thing for us to talk about for the come- years to come. And it's a little bit different even than like. The Jake Arietta conversation where you're like, look, man, it wasn't working here. You can be as frustrated as you want to be about why it didn't work here, but it was not working here. No. And they were trying to win, and he was taking up a roster spot, and they kind of had no choice. Like Again, go back in history, try to figure out why it didn't work here. But you, I've never been able to argue. The facts were the facts at the time. Right. In the moment, they had, had to do to what do they it. had to do to try to win. Even when we talk about you know, like Eduardo Rodriguez's success that he found. Well, Andrew Miller worked. Yeah. Like, Andrew Miller panned out, and if that team stays, you know, keeps their players on the field, they might damn well have won the World Series that year. But the Flaherty thing was always tough because you didn't, you looked at it and you're like, I get that you needed to do something, but this seems like a price to pay for a guy that hasn't been good at pitching and who hasn't been good at pitching since he arrived here. I think Mike Bauman was being way too fair earlier when we were talking to him about Jack Flaherty. Like, well, you know, uh, yeah, his last Two start. pretty good start. So, yeah. mm, I mean, he had one. He had one, one. I wouldn't even say great. He had one good I saw a second quality start. It was, start. It was his shaky. second start was at best shaky. shaky. You can try to use words like gutty to describe him getting through five innings and at least with just three runs. Right. That but it wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. And then we all know what and happened last yes, time. Disastrous the last time. All right. That it. That's it. Good job, Grant. It's been a solid summer, man. Thank well you. done. Thanks to everybody for listening to us. And if, and if you're walking around at Stevenson University uh, for some reason, just walk right up to him and tell him to tell you what's going on in the rest of baseball. Just walk up to him and demand he do a live, on-the-spot version of This Week live? in the Rest of Baseball. Or, I'm down or, to do or it. Or any question about the 2010 Orioles. That's right. Yeah. If you have any questions about the 2010 Orioles. God, what a weirdo. <laughs> All right. Thank you, buddy. Well done. We'll Thank come you, back in. Thank we'll get you, a Griffin. tidbit. We'll get a tubular to wrap it up for a Monday edition of GCR. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you're in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports & Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulgent steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasinohotel.com. At Arundel Mills, must be 21, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to EasyPass, pay-by-play, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. driveeasymd.com will keep you moving. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley Bob, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. 
Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bataround has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bataround. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. Last weekend of the regular season kicks off on Friday the 8th with Adley Rutschman Night. Mystery Adley Rutschman giveaway items for the first 750 fans. Fireworks on Saturday with the return of our 1K beer run. See how fast you can complete the race while getting three beers down. And our Birdland celebration on Sunday. Free autograph items for the first 1,000 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at BaySox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. That first six. That first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, let's wind down for a Monday edition of the program. Tidbit is brought to you today by Superbook. If you are thinking about betting the Ravens and trying to see if you can't continue this streak, maybe you're very confident about it. Yes. So go bet them. Right, go sign up for Superbook right now. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code Glenn Clark twenty three. That's G L E N N C L A R K twenty three. And when you do, you're going to get a first bet match up to two hundred fifty dollars. Win or lose. So even if the unthinkable occurs tonight and the Ravens lose a preseason game, our institutions all crumble. Right? I don't know what society looks like tomorrow, but what I know is you'll have up to $250 worth of free bets to use on Superbook. Now, I don't know if society will withstand uh, losing uh, a Ravens preseason game, but if we do, you'll be able to use that up to $250 in free bets at Superbook. So go sign up right now with the code GlennClark23. That's GlennClark23, Superbook.com, or download the Superbook app. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, he became the second player ever with uh, four straight games of four-plus hits. Uh, so he had 17 hits in a four-game stand, which is the most all-time in MLB history. And he tied the record for most consecutive games with four hits in a game with 1925 St. Louis, or yeah, it was 1925 St. Louis Cardinal. 
Milt Stock. Ah, course. that was going to be my next guess, yeah. actually, was Milt, old Milt Stock. Milt Stock. Yeah, right. <laughs> old Milt Stock. Uh, yeah, so Julio had, he also became the first player with uh, like 15 plus hits and five stolen bases. Hey, in has Carson started standard? doing those uh, M- MSR, what are you, AMSR videos oh, I, yet? Oh, uh, uh, Milt Ots. I, I need that in my life so bad. Duke. Milt Stock. Milt Stock. Duke Snyder. Mm. Um, Rocky. Do you mean to get you? Calavito. I guess we got to get on him for that. Pee-wee. Reese. <laughs> I need that. I need that in my <laughs> life so much. Uh, Louise Arias Louise uh, is the first uh, Red Sox player to hit a grand slam in back-to-back, back-to-back games. Back or, or, yeah, back-to-back games played. Oh, I thought it was at bats. I thought I it thought was, he it was might have been the final, but I thought it might have been the final at bat. Oh, was it? I thought I saw that it was back-to-back at bats. I could be wrong. It, it might have been. I don't know. I don't um, know. But he became the first nine-hitter uh, to hit a grand slam against the Yankees since Luis Rivera did one. Oh, for the Red Sox, sorry. Misread it. Uh, first, oh yeah, it was consecutive plate appearances. Thank you. Are you. First player with a Thank grand slam you. in consecutive plate appearances. I tell you what, I'll take a care of tidbit moving forward. Yeah. Don't don't you worry about oh, it. Oh, this, yeah. is, this is a cool. Uh, 2009 yeah. was the last time someone hit. Well, I I actually know, but only because I just looked it oh, up to prove too. that I was correct. Josh, Josh Willingham. Willingham. Yeah. Josh Willingham. Name I would have easily forgotten about. Yes. Um, uh, Who else does Josh Willingham chit work for when we when we need to play the grid? Who else did Josh Willingham? Uh, the play A's, for? didn't he? No. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he was he the twins of the A's. Best years. Uh, Nationals. He was, he was apparently yeah. a Royal at one point. Yeah, okay. he was almost he an Oriole. Name. He was very close to being an Oriole. Right. Marlins, Nationals, Athletics, Twins, Royals. Okay, a good name to pocket away. There you go. Uh, Gunnar Henderson obviously was incredibly helped the Orioles win their 77th game yesterday as the Orioles officially hit. They're the first team to huh, hit their real over. Real weird. Almost like somebody told you at the beginning of the season. Yeah. What, did you see the two bets that I had? What were I know the one of them was the over. The like, over on the what, Orioles. What did you get it at? It was like seventy four or seventy. I get it some absurd number. Uh, I got that, and I got plus two twenty on Gunner Shohei Otani being MVP. Oh, that is that's a good one. And I said <laughs> to everybody, "You're getting plus money. What are you doing? <laughs> like you're not going to get plus money for very long. I get it. It's absurd for anybody." To not have plus money in an MVP before the season, but it's Shohei freaking Otani we're talking about. I got Gunner like two weeks ago at plus one fifteen for Rookie of the Year. I I get it. I, and at this point, with Josh Young being, I don't think he's gonna come back. Yep. At least not the regular season. Then yeah. then at this point, it seems like it's his. Uh, so Gunner four extra base hits in a game. They're the most by an Oriole since two thousand eight. You know who did it last? I can go beyond two thousand ten. I promise uh, you. Oh, you know. I mean, I'll take a shot. I mean, I can pick the line. I can pick apart the lineup. No, go ahead. Go okay. right ahead. 2008. Uh, Do you want me to go? Luke Scott, not Luke Scott. Melvin Moore. Melvin Moore. Yes. Yeah, look at this guy. Most recent Oriole to do so. Uh, Gunner also the youngest Oriole to ever have four extra base hits in a game. Again, we got to come up with a cool name yeah. for it, though. Melvin Moore, ironically, the oldest Oriole to ever have four hits in a game. I could have said Kevin Millar. Hits, Kevin Millar. <laughs> I could have. Um, he is the so okay. So I was looking into it while you're talking to Ryan Ryan Ripkin and like you know so four hits in a game, four extra base hits in a game is I mean it's not common but it's happened. It was the sixth occurrence this season. Okay, that it's happened. Uh, Jaron Duran did it. Uh, Matt McLean, Mickey Moniak, Adolis Garcia in his three home run game. Adam Duvall against the Orioles. All obviously the future first ballot Hall of Famers. Yes. The entire list. But now if you do 
go more specific and go with players with two doubles, a home run, and a, a triple, triple. Mm-hmm. then it becomes much more rare. The last time this was done was 10 years ago, 2013. Ah, it like, seems like the cycle has happened far more recently than that. Yeah. It's almost like this is better than a cycle, and we just have to come up with a stupid, kitschy name in order to give it so that mouth breathers will stop saying, yeah, but it's a cycle. <laughs> God, I hate this place. Most recently was David Wright. David Wright of the Mets that? in 2013. That? Before that, it was Sam Full. There was a time where we thought David Wright was going to be a yeah. first ballot Hall of Famer. Like there was, there was a trajectory that David Wright was on where he was as special as a guy. I like all the guys that have done it since. So since 2000, Sam Full did it for the Rays in 2011. Ah. Ian Kinsler, okay, for the Rangers, he did it against Damn the Orioles. Player. Against uh, the Orioles in 2009. Yes. Uh, Stephen Drew, while he was with the Diamondbacks. Dustin Pedroia. Ugh. Mark Teixeira. Oh, yeah. And Eric Burns. Why did you say you like this list? There's well, I, like... I mean, well, I liked, I liked Ian Kinsler, Stephen Drew, Sam right. Fulb. <laughs> and then it got dark. Burnsy was my guy when I was out in Arizona. That was my dude. Mm. Uh, we uh, He was on those Diamondbacks teams that I covered. Good guy. So he is the so with four extra base hits in a game, he is the 12th youngest player to ever have. Uh, Burnsy also has to be a cheat code on the grid because he played for, like, everyone, too. Do you know want to know who the youngest player, or try to guess who the youngest player with four extra base hits in a game is? Gunnar uh, Henderson. Uh, not what? Well, no, no. He's he's the twelfth youngest. Twelfth youngest. Yes, Gunnar's the twelfth youngest. What? Andrew Jones. Not Andrew Jones. Soto. Not Soto. Oh jeez. He is active. <laughs> Currently active. Yeah, but he's in the Young- he's in the very twilight of his career. Oh. Acuna. No, he's so he just started. twilight of his career. Yes. Acuna. Uh, no, not Acuna. Uh, Acuna is definitely not in the twilight of his career. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> very much at the apex of his career. Um. Oh, I know what you mean. Uh, I don't know. It's twelve twenty-eight. Tell me. Okay, Miguel Cabrera. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, sure. Old. I probably should have gotten that on. Twenty years old it. in two thousand three. Uh, it had four extra base hits, and then second on the list, second youngest to ever do it. Oh, Your geez. favorite, really old guy. Oh, we get to the baseball old yes, time yes. baseball names. Nap Joy. Not Nap. Cap Anson. Not Cap. Mel Ott. Mel Ott. Hey, Indeed, that's youngest. my guy. And I know you're trying to guess. All right, but he is. Uh, so when I did the parameters again, to two doubles, a home run, and a triple, he is the second youngest player. Ah, Gunner is to ever do this behind Mel Ott. Not Mel. <laughs> Ott. Tris Speaker. Not Tris Speaker. Louis Apparicio. Not Louis Apparicio. Okay, who is? You're it? on the right track. If oh, you okay. Keep, uh, if you want to keep guessing names? Rocky Calavito. Eddie Matthews. Not Eddie Jimmy Matthews. Fox. Not Jimmy Fox. Uh, Ralph Kiner. Not Ralph Kiner. Al Kaline. Al Kaline. Hey! Al Kaline. There we go. Um, and then, yeah, we can call that. We can call it a day there. I was gonna, I mean, there's been 14 Orioles with four extra oh, base hits. For God's sakes. We well, they're not playing tonight, so we can do it again tomorrow. Okay. All right. We'll it it won't tomorrow. go anywhere. We can yeah. do it tomorrow. Very good. Here's coming up totally tubularized. Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. So you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you hate yourself, uh, Ravens Commanders, 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN. I don't hate myself, and I will be locally. watching. Locally. Eh, I got some questions about that. I'm going to give you uh, – you got the clock for tomorrow? Yeah, I can do the clock. M- minute clock, right? Yeah, minute clock okay, good. for tomorrow. Yeah. That's what you get. Okay. And then we don't – We drop it? I'm, I sw- unless somebody gets hurt, unless there's something, you know, that's the only thing that it could be is somebody getting hurt. Unless yeah. somebody gets hurt, that's all we're doing. One minute, you get tomorrow to talk about what happened in tonight's. Wow. God, God, right, I hate fine. it. What I really hate is it'll be on at the bar while we're playing trivia, and inevitably people are going to be distracted, yeah. and we're, it's going to mess up my trivia game, and I'm going to be at the bar later because of. I hate it. Uh, Little League World Series coverage on ESPN before that. Also uh, locally on WBL TV if you don't have cable. 
MLB Network, Giants, Phillies, 630. Fox Sports 1, Mariners, White Sox at 8. USA for Crystal Palace, Arsenal at 3. And then WWE Raw at 8. And that's it. It's a better week. Tonight there's not much. Uh, I mean, Bachelorette, American Ninja Warrior, and on A&E, The Secrets of Prince Andrew docuseries. Oh, that's, he was, uh, yeah, he was yeah, a little also a filthy guy. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Grant, thank you for everything this summer. Great work, bud. Thank you guys Best for the luck. opportunity. Thank we'll you guys. We'll be in touch, obviously. You never know when Grant might pop up again. Uh, remind everybody where they can follow you. Uh, follow my dermatologist career. That's right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I need you to deal with this burn that I have on my arm. What can you do about that? I'll research on Thank that. Thank you. Get on that it's, for me. It's just your, your first appointment's discounted. Yeah. Oh, nice. 20 G de Vivo. That's 20 nice. G D E V I V O. Um, did did a fine job all summer long. Yeah, Thank happy you to guys. have you. I, I I just realized, like, I need to get in touch with somebody that I told them they could intern in the fall, and I haven't heard back from them because I got to make sure we have a fall intern. We could probably use another one if uh, you know somebody's intern- uh, interested in an internship, getting their foot in the door. Uh, hit me up uh, at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Oh, you can't, nobody can DM anymore because of this stupid guy. Oh. Jesus Christ. Uh, email my personal email account, glennclarkradio at gmail.com. Do it I that recommend way. the experience, guys. If you're listening to this now, this is a learning opportunity. Come in here and do it. If you want if you want to learn from one of the best, two of the best in here, do it. Go well, thank you. you don't have to. No, well, I think what he said, Griffin one of the best. Was first yeah, and I don't think he you don't he have to do. You. you don't have to do that. Thanks, buddy. All right. Uh, thanks today to Tyler Kepner. Thanks to Michael Bauman. Thanks to Ryan Ripkin and Jeremy Kahn. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of oh the. Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Anything? Stuff and things. All right. Thanks everybody at Pressbox. All of our great sponsors and partners. Visit Baltimore Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, the Maryland Five Star, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County, Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Washington County, the Maryland Cycling Classic, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go nobody. Duke sucks.